out of Austin, Texas. You're listening to the Unsanctioned Citizen Podcast. Here's your host, Sheila Dean. Good afternoon. There is a really big cold snap happening here in the state of Texas. Uh, we thought we had we had one of these already where the the temperatures got below freezing. And now it's back. You know, all the plants are going to die. All that good uh but you know, it, it's still winter. So, we can we can uh we'll survive it. We'll get through it. It's only another month or so. And then spring will be here and we'll be roasting in the sun. So, welcome to the Unsanctioned Citizen podcast. Uh I've got Gregor with me and um so I'm going to go ahead and invite a few more people. Boom, boom. And uh, so thank you for joining. I'm going to go ahead and tweet this out. If it gives me the prompt to do so. It didn't give me the prompt to do it. Share the room. So yeah, Twitter's not up there. Anyways, um, I just wanted to indicate that the World Economic Forum isn't you know, just because they had a meeting doesn't mean that they're going to back down from any of their plans. Obviously, the meeting is to kind of get boned up to go out there and centralize uh, the known world that they have access to and to um, inculcate people who involuntarily don't want to play with them. So, among other things, you know, in the theater of the absurd is the uh, approval of two more bugs for cuisine which they will not be eating by the way i don't i don't think if there's any proof if anyone in the listening range of my voice has any proof that klaus schwab is eating a big bowl of you know cheddar flavored crickets you know you just let me know but i don't i don't think that's on his menu i don't think he's getting the the uh, grub lovers platter at the local eatery you know, I don't. I don't think that's what's going on. Uh, that's for you, my friend. And then, of course, this weird uh, egg fetish shortage, whatever. I mean, we're supposed to be going into quote unquote the year of the rabbit, but I think we're going to turn into more of the year of the rooster <laughs> because they're blowing up all the food facilities all over. You know, not all of them, but you know, strategically blowing up food facilities so that you won't eat eggs for some reason. They're like, eggs are bad. Eggs are accessible for the poor man. Eggs, eggs are a no-no because they come from animals. You know, and I'm just thinking, you know, this is a lot of control issues over things that they don't really control. You know, and they don't enlist the the approvals or. I mean, they have members of the sectors of government, but some of these are so far out there. And then, you know, while Bill Gates is taking a lot of heat, you know, he's just become like this lightning rod recently. Well, I mean, throughout the years as well, as being the World Economic Forum type, you know, he's the uh, geeky, uh, weirdo, you know, vaccinazi who... You know, not necessarily. I mean, I guess he's more moderate on vaccines, but he is still a eugenicist, and he's still on par with, like, a bunch of people who, 
I don't know. Planned Parenthood isn't really popular with the uh, the pro life community. Let's just say it. They're not they're not happy about it. But you know, Planned Parenthood is a choice. You know, it's an option for. Typically, it's an option for women. So the people who are the most hacked off, I think, about Planned Parenthood are typically conservative religious men. And, uh, of course, a lot is coming to, to explain this, you know, why conservative religious men are, are typically not happy with Planned Parenthood. I've been brief before, but uh, I'll just go ahead and let him explain you know, because he needs to. He needs to. I can. I can tell he needs to say something. Go ahead, Vladi. You're up. I am gonna say a lot, and I am gonna be pissed because of okay. the. Uh, because right. I am. Re- Bill Bill Gates qualifies as theater of the of absurd. Christian right. Well, I mean, light light your light for all of us. But what I want to ask you specifically... What? I want to ask you specifically about Bill Gates, specifically, and anything related to to seemingly absurd, the most absurd thing that you've observed in this this recent history with the World Economic Forum and vaccines, any of it. Just far when out. he's playing theater, when he goes to the oh man, you went robotic. Go, go stand next to the window. Act like the victim now because nobody. Bloody, your voice is like really robo right now. Can you go by a window or something? Your signal is like want want. Can you hear me? Back? Okay, Are we right. back? Am I back? Okay, so oh, it's so much better. It's so much better. Thank you. It, it's the dead zones and where, where my mom lives. So basically, Bill Gates has been. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! We got. Bill Gates like is walked so... Out and when they talked about billionaires having like a little cup. You know, Bill... Ah! Bloody, just, just wait a minute. Go, go. I'm going to put you in the speaker column. You can, you can come to, I'm inviting you to speak. Thanks. I'm inviting you to speak. So don't worry. You're going to get a chance to talk. But I just want you to get your technical, tech, technical stuff underneath you. Um, just give me a minute, okay? I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna wait on Bloody to get his his uh, his mic underneath him and, and get it all. Let me just read where the, what tripped my trip wires this morning, okay? Is it better? So I'm writing. Yeah, this is better. But let me get let me get through this digital twin stuff, okay? So in 2020, 2018, 2019, there was a documentary that came out on Netflix called the social the social dilemma and that was a very friendly to truth um, and reality expose of <clears throat> the information architecture and how that's basically manufacturing a, a digital imprint of consumers 
that marketers and people who are in rickrolled into the freemium model and the freemium model is basically it's free to adopt it's free to use but in, ex in the exchange we use you and your data as a product to sell to advertisers governments whomever you're up for sale as long as you, you are freely enrolled in the platform so they get to use the data that you give them for whatever now they say they use it to quote-unquote improve services and, and without a doubt they probably do um, but the other edge of that is that they're selling information about you and then they're also using the body of data that you give them um, as a social experiment or as a behavior AI behavioral experiment and they manufacture what is known as a digital twin they have so much information about most people because we've been kind of sucked in to this this architecture this freemium seduced arch architecture that that there is now a version of you that they can copy and then put in an online environment without your consent without you even knowing what's going on and then play with it they can do whatever they kind of want with it because they believe it's their data you know whether or not it's a it's a true representation of you it's it's a a deeply fake version of you it's an it's an automated version of you that they've they've manufactured from training data but it's you so this is what they call a digital twin and world economic forum says well, you know what are they and why do they matter so the the hit list is this uh, from the annual meeting digital twins are the virtual models of real-world objects and the stepping stone to the metaverse they're being used to experiment with objects or environments to see how they might function better with improvements being applied in the real world and the market for digital twins is forecast there's gonna be a market they're gonna be selling people uh, to increase tenfold in key industries this decade led by manufacturing automotive and aviation so I guess the idea is that automotive and aviation are kind of like the civil infrastructure they're using the civil infrastructure so that they can manufacture smart cities. So they take this version of you, uh, your likeness, your maybe your body, maybe whatever you've given them in terms of like biometrics, whatever they can pull down from the web to integrate into this model of you. Um, you know, and you're not supposed to take this personally, by the way, because you signed it away with a submit button. <laughs> okay, you did it. And they put you in a tube-shaped model of a smart city's, you know, roundy round, and they say, okay, well, we're going to subject this person to, you know, four times more surveillance, AV inspection, and then we're going to run run the data to see what this person will do. And so they're they're doing this to model like their their 15-minute cities, and so. The, the first one they've got planned is going out in or Orlando so digital twins can be scaled to encompass an entire city Orlando the, in the US state of Florida has been digitally replicated in 3d so the whole city 
Bloomberg reports the virtual model will be used to stimulate how different urban planning projects will impact the environment and the residents and other U.S. cities are already use the technology for traffic management and to drive down emissions. Among the most advanced users of digital twins is Singapore. The 3D virtual model is made up of millions of images taken at street level from the air, uh, uh, along with corresponding data points, more than 100 terabytes of data covering anything from tree cover to the city's infrastructure, Blah, blah, blah. Digital twin technology is expected to play a key part in Singapore's battle for sustainability and against rising temperatures, according to Bloomberg. So Bloomberg seems to be uh, the big player and kind of understanding, but Bloomberg's a, almost like a Chinese subsidiary. Well, you were invited to speak. What happened? Did, so I, you, I, did it kick I, you I, out? I, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I mean, I mean, I'm done. You know, you're you're welcome. Are you good now? Can you? Can yeah, you speak to us? I had to come back. I had to come back into the house. So anyway, uh, this jackass decided to take my 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 load. We have a free machine load? working right now. In the in in, re, in regarding the washing machine, to be correct. Otherwise, load could be oh, used okay. from any. Yeah, I mean, I so, have no idea. So, so this jackass decided to take my load. So I. Maliciously, I just took out his clothes and threw it onto the other machine. So he thinks his, his washing machine, his things are washing. Uh, that's how pissed I was. And I said, you know what? Bullshit. You're not going to do this to me. I left the load running because it's a free wash. That's how the tech left it, right? It's, uh, it's paid. $1 pay. But this guy, he left it like this when every time we get jacked by the machine not working or whatever, right? They leave it like that for a month or two. So he, this guy did me wrong, and I said, you know what, bullshit. I'm gonna, I threw his clothes over, so he thinks he's, he's, he's going to get a wash, but later on he's going to be pissed. So I had to develop my argument in case he sees me, it's a neighbor, but I'm like, you want to be a dick? I'm going to be a dick with you. So sorry, I just wanted to share that. In regards to regarding people that are dicks, yes, going back to Bill Gates, as I mentioned, that I couldn't talk because obviously the bad dead zone, the, the bad connection. Uh, instead of him doing things, he's doing his theatrics at WEF. He gets out, he storms out, and he probably came back. But why? Because 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 the people involved, they were talking about going after millionaires that they should pay more. Well, he doesn't want to pay more. He's been complying. He's been buying up farmland, and he's continued to to patent vaccines of COVID and and things like that. And he's going to continue uh, moving all those things and and doing their bidding. But there's a point where they're like, well, you want to leave me in the, in, you know, basically high and dry, right? No. You know, so he's going to do his little theatrics, just his, his acting, even if he's being hypocritical, to play the part, to make himself look like the victim, because that's what's popular with the left. Make yourself out to be a victim. So later on, he could cry bloody murder months later and say, you know what, this is what they're doing, yada, yada, yada. He's going to go on to say something. He's going to go on to say that he's doing his part about the carbon footprint, and that's why he's buying farmland, yada, 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 like he's doing us a favor. But he's never going to admit that his vaccines are what have killed people in India. That's why he's not allowed in India. His vaccine company, of where he threw all his patents, they're not allowed in India. They hate Bill Gates because a lot of children died. His plan to depopulate the world has failed. But a lot of people have caught he's on to his bullshit. He's a eugenicist, and, yes. and I don't. Yeah, he's a eugenicist, and and you know, for him to live in Washington State, let me tell you that that eugenics is like celebrated. 
in Washington State, in mostly Western Washington, but you know, yeah. I mean, the local paper puts the the the. Um, I'll never forget this. Uh, I I stopped subscribing, you know, because I'm I'm typically I'm somebody who, who will adopt the, the the local daily, and get it on my doorstep just as you know, like, hey, I'm here, I live here, you know, I want to know what what mm-hmm. the news is. But you know, the, the substance of news is radically changed over the last 10, 12 years. So the relationship I have with, say, like your local paper, Ink Daily, isn't what it is. Um, and I have a similar story for here at the here with the Austin Statesman. Um, you know, it's gotten really weird. They've gone digital. Most of the papers have gone digital. But when it ends up on your doorstep, it's propaganda. So I'll get, the example that I'm going to give you for Washington State is that they had uh, the like the obit for a major eugenicist and it was above the fold on the front page like that was the biggest thing that happened in Seattle was this eugenicist this this major eugenicist died I, I mean above global news or, or you know anything that happened in the country against you know anything else that was the top story for that day wow and I'm like, I don't even know who this person is. But they ran the obit of a eugenicist above the full front page news. And it and it happened to be Bill Gates' father? No, no, it was just another it was just another civil just another I don't even remember who this person is. Yeah. You know, but can you bring they, me can you bring me up to speaker so Peter could talk? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks thanks for joining everybody. No, I'm no, try we to love to administrate this. Here we go. But what's funny is all, is all these eugenicists, they talk about people dying, that people, why don't they start with themselves? Why don't they live by example? Good, good question. Uh, they're not going to do that. Hello, <laughs> well, Peter. Welcome to the program. I'm glad that you joined. Are you there? Can you hear me? I see Jonathan's with us. We haven't, we haven't spoken to Jonathan in a while. Hello, Peter. Hello? Hello. Can you hear me? Can hear you fine. Good morning. Yeah, I'm glad you're talking about this WEF plan. To, it's a digital double. It's interesting. Yeah, you may not remember. Uh, but you talk about data with some of the digital nomads. Do you remember you have an episode about that? Okay, digital. Digital nomads. People who works in uh, in from the motel in Mexico, who work remotely. It's your uh, I call in uh, I call in in the episode of yours. Oh, I think what you're talking about is the people who who um, who process data. Is that yeah. is that what you're talking about? Yeah, that's the, that's the last time you talked about it. Yeah, uh, these these are these are we talked about the digital um, digital twinning imprint. On, yeah. this, on this program, and I think I was just kind of triggered by it because there's a bunch of people from True Talk UK that are trying to wrap their their heads around it. Yeah, remember I called in. I tell you that uh, at that time at my workplace, my employer actually is in violating the HIPAA law. Oh yeah, yeah. Tell me about. I mean, did you have any follow up yeah, on that? Yeah, remember I mentioned that's actually the biggest risk is not necessarily the one you're talking about because I, you know, I, I'm doing exactly, uh, 
what you're describing, but uh, what I see medical is medical processing. Yeah, do remember? But, that? I mean, if you're doing insurance insurance claims, you know that's that's due course of business, right? Yeah, but you said you know you're saying there's a risk of being abused. You you're not you're not wrong. You know, but what what I, what I mentioned to you is that at that time, I have learned that my employer literally have violated the employee's privacy. So I actually brought it up to my employer, and they fired me. Holy and, shit! Yeah, I I don't know whether you still remember me or not because that's a no that's no no no. I remember you. They they you you, you brought up you were a whistleblower and you were fired for bringing up a concern. Yeah. Did you yeah. did you file a a, a cl- claim with the WorkSource Commission? Literally, this uh, uh, today in the morning. I went on the HHS website, uh, health, uh, health and health and human services. It's a federal website. Right for, for civil, civil. You need to, to do no, that. You need to file a for, civil claim. It is, no, it is for a uh, HIPAA violation. It's a for. Yeah. I, I'm not seeking employment stuff because the this uh, hospital is in uh, in in North Carolina. I, I'm not going to name their names. So I actually okay. check out North, North Carolina has this so-called. Uh, retaliation employment ret- retaliation laws something like that i actually check it out i i asked them what uh they cover like if you find uh work safety issues and you report this work safety issues and got fired yeah it's covered under that uh north carolina law however for hipaa it wasn't it is not covered and they told me you can but you can report to the federal government and so I, that's what I did this morning. And I'll just give you a little more detail. This is hilarious. I have learned later, there is a director level employee, a manager. Yeah. Told them the same thing, saying you cannot, without the employee's knowledge, to obtain their healthcare information without their knowledge. So he, she reported to the top executive. And then I have a colleague who told me the same thing, saying he also reported. But this guy, the second one, he's still working there. Mm-hmm. So I'm the third one. I said, you, I said, you broke the law for, for a while, for four years now. Wow. United, United that Health. Is, that you, is you, insane. Yeah, I told, I, mean, I show, I showed them the screen. I'll give you more detail. This is hilarious. This is typical. <laughs> Capitalist corporation—they don't follow the laws. They—I uh, said, look, well, when they break the law, they really break it. That's for sure. Uh, yeah. So I, I said, so look, I have a. So I have a, I got an incoming car and I need to decline. So I said, look, this is all the employees' uh, pharmacy claims. This is the prescription drugs they got from the drugstores. You attach the employee's social security number with it. That's a violation. And the worst thing is this. These employees has an adult dependent, meaning these are the folks who are 18 and over. Mm-hmm. They are not your employee at all. They are just the dependents of your employee. You have no rights on their dependence health information at oh, all. Man. That's I, and I show them you have That's a twenty six. Yeah, I show them you have a twenty six thousand social security numbers in this. That just shows you it's a huge violation, 
and you are giving it to a third party. Ah. And so, 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 so I just give you examples. No, the violation of your privacy is at will. It could happen anywhere. It does not matter. Yeah, it's a yeah. I mean, and and I know, I know that that's that happens to be true. You know, but these people are behaving in an illegal manner against the consent of, of people. And if it's a hospital group, um, then they're implicated in in something very awful. Like um, I I take the instance of Evergreen Hospital um, in uh, in Washington State because they had really awful. Uh, bad information security and um you know they've been hacked several times you know they couldn't keep patient data you know and so the the state is doing more uh but they have to report a data breach now this is on par with a data breach because uh you know so many social security numbers over you know 50,000 have been affected, okay, and they were not in the necessary, you know, columns of, you know, classed information, and, and I think you understand what I'm talking about. Like, there, there's a class of, of uh, technical information that you use to process your, your claims, all right, or for, for due course of business, for insurance, okay? Some of it's research, but this other partition... Um, I don't think lawyers were involved. I think greedy people were involved, and they saw a way to manufacture a market for a line of data that wasn't theirs, that didn't belong to them. Now, it's an inflationary period, and people are getting crazy. Now, why a hospital would get in this situation makes me extremely uh, un, unhappy because people need to trust their their health providers they need to help they need to trust and um, you know they're not going to be able to if you know things like this continue to happen so uh, <clears throat> so Peter after you filed how long are you gonna have to wait and have you gotten a lawyer Oh, I'm not going to get a lawyer. I'm just going to tell them that these you, these are very serious violations. I have, I'm going to be very upfront because uh, I can easily get uh, different jobs because I'm just that good. And uh, and uh, so, <laughs> you're like blown up. You're like ah, I'm, I'm, I'm so good. Like, I'm like, in like, demand. Like, I can do this. They later scheduled a meeting with the chief privacy officer, the top yeah. executive of the of the hospital, to meet with me. And, uh, and, uh, they, and then they say they're going to postpone for five days. <laughs> and on the very day before that meeting, they said, you're terminated. <laughs> I was like, okay, I kind of know what is this. And, uh, and, uh, so no, uh, but I'm going, because they just went through a CMS audit because they did something else wrong. And now I'm just putting another say, the, these, these people are just lawless and uh, they pretend to be caring, but they don't. <laughs> And uh, it's just a, you know, <laughs> propaganda. But anyway, because I mentioned that to you before, and I just will give you an update. As a matter of fact, you know, I'm going to uh, uh, leave because I need to uh, return this phone call that I, I just, just can't. Do. Okay, you know what, Peter? This is super great. Anytime you have an update on this, call back in. We definitely want to hear from you. 
I, I appreciate you so much uh, appearing here on the program. I'll okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the live chat here. We got we got Meathead, Meathead, Meathead. Okay, so he says Governor DeSantis declares uh, World Economic Forum policies are dead on arrival in Florida. Okay, um, and then there, he's got a note here on Tucker Carlson's uh, uh, expose of Project Veritas. That was an ace in the hole, my friend. Yes, yes, uh, because nothing, nothing could compare to, I mean, TLC and Real Housewives had nothing on, on this, this Fruit Loop melting and trying to break cloud tech on national television. Nothing. He lost his mind. I'm calling the police. I'm calling the police. Like, who are you calling the police on? It's classic. Hey, uh, William. Hey, sister. How you doing, Vlad? Yeah. Well, the, the fact of the matter is, there are a lot of crimes committed by him, including, one could say, assault. Yes. Uh, attempt to destroy property. Um, also, when the restaurant keeper locked the doors, that becomes uh, an awful... A false imprisonment. Yeah, false imprisonment. Um, so Project Veritas could, you know, push the criminal aspect of this. I don't know whether they will or not. But yeah, what a total meltdown. And of course, mainstream media, you know, it's like it never happened. You know what I mean? It's crazy. You know, but we're over here in the, you know, raising our arms and social media is saying, wake, wake up people. You know what I mean? And the more we spread the news, the better. You know? So yeah, was- let me ask you something because, you know, there was a woman who was on, um, I think it was on Spaces on Twitter last night, and I think I tried to send you the Spaces. Pfizer has a huge presence in Connecticut, and she was talking about how basically they, you know, short of buying entire towns in in Connecticut, that Pfizer has an inordinate amount of lawfare. Uh, and, and non-disclosure agreements uh, to, to kettle entire towns in Connecticut. Do you know anything about that? Well, if one of Pfizer's headquarters is in Groton, Connecticut, where our naval base is, one of our naval bases. And um, so, oh. yeah, yeah, so, you know, don't forget uh, DARPA, a big Pfizer connection. You know what I mean? We can go there and... Uh, well, go know, there just uh, a little bit, you know, because yeah. people are not going to automatically make the jump. Well, gosh, this is deep. I mean, um, okay, there's evidence that have been revealed in FOIA requests and emails, Fauci and co. I call them, you know, the Fauci mobsters. You know what I mean? Anti Fauci and his group of Fauci mobsters. mobsters. The Fauci mobsters. The, the, the <laughs> unbelievable. And um, there's evidence that uh, Fort Detrick is actually the home of gain of function research. Uh, on the virus, and um, of course, uh, that then ecological. So they have a biowar lab run by DARPA in Connecticut. Yes. Uh well, I guess we could. We may be able to make that. I don't have. A, I can't say I have hard evidence of that, but um, it sounds like all signs like, point to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now. Uh, uh, and then, of course, we, we have to go to 
the, the bigger picture, which is a WEF and the Kissinger Continuum reported by Unlimited Hangout. Um, I put that in the live chat, the history. Okay. Of the Can you read us a, just, just a graph or two of that? Sure. The Kissinger Continuum, the unauthorized history of the WEF's Young Global Leaders Program. Of course, there's like 1,200 mm -hmm. young global leaders. And Klaus Schwab, of course, is, oh, he's very proud of his young global leaders, you know, <laughs> Putin. Everybody tries on their like their Swiss German accent. You know, I want to do it too. I want to. I was like, I was trying. I was actually in the mirror, kind of playing around with it. You know, I was saying, I have very difficult time um, concentrating. So my spouse is going to maybe consider sending me to a concentration camp oh, no. <laughs> for my attention deficit. Hey, listen, the, uh, see, uh, Children's Health Defense Fund um, did a piece with Dr. Bregan on the weaponizing of psychiatry for those COVID doctors in Canada who were resisting the uh, contemporary narrative. And, um, and uh, that's an interesting piece. Wow, that's the expose. Uh, I could find that put in the live chat. Um, we have the World Economic Forum, of course, and the Kissinger continuum. Let's not forget that it was Klaus Schwab who was put up by Kissinger. Uh, Klaus Schwab uh, was a protege of Kissinger and started the uh, WEF under a different title. I forget he always the... sounds like a smushed toad. When he, Where do dogs? He dogs like smushed toad. <laughs> you do a good adventure. Very, very slow. Yes, yes. <laughs> Yes, 99 years old, still pushing his propaganda and his poison. Still, still croaking, but not croaking. <laughs> I'm telling you, right, right. I mean, oh my God, boy, yes, you, you sure would have made Howard Stern proud. I am telling you, you it would have been an excellent replacement. <laughs> he had Robert. his chance, bro. He did. Uh, I was, I did, I did a, a pirate radio, ten, uh, a pirate radio X in Panama City Beach. I was running the boards, and that that was my that was my shot, and I blew it. So, and then he also blew it because he. Oh God, you know what? Radio is one of those tough, tough areas, and it's it's usually you know run by a bunch of scallywags, oh. and um, you know people who are trying to you know the the pay is low, and the ambitions are high, and the narcissism is high, so you have to deal with a lot of BS at the beginning. Go yeah. ahead. Well, okay, so let me quickly read a paragraph from the uh, limited hangout piece. So the World Economic Forum's Young Global Leaders Program, Klaus Schwab, is supposed, uh, supposed uh, brainchild is uh, actually an almost exact replica of, of an egg, Kissinger, um, uh, Kissinger's um, uh, international seminar that was originally run out of Harvard. It was funded by the CIA. Of course, of course, you know, we've got to get our intelligence, corrupt intelligence agencies involved in all this. You know what I mean? How it works. And um, in this article, Johnny Redmore investigates the people behind Kissinger's international seminar, the CIA conduits, which are funding the program, and Kissinger's key role in the creation of the World Economic Forum Young Global Leaders Program. We have a continuum here. You know, of these um, predatory uh, parasites that call themselves elite, um, uh, pushing their programs. And of course, then they're going to determine, as you probably know, what's information and disinformation. That's the whole 
panel they were putting together, they're going to come down with guidelines you know about, right? The WEF. That was developed. The, uh, the, their the, guidelines. They have, they're have. they going to have their own medical guidelines for you. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so for us. The okay. 2023, uh, working together with the World Health Organization, you know, uh, and what's really? called the International uh, Health Regulations. Yeah, I mean, so, so what are the, some of the regulations, just off the top of your head, you know? Oh, well, the main thing is the IHR right now, international voluntary, there's no, they're not codified into any international law, but there's 10 amendments to that, that, uh, uh, wow, take away what we know as free speech, obviously, because they're going to control the narrative. You know what I mean? This whole collaboration, uh, also, uh, trying to codify the I, uh, international health regulations into some form of international binding law by all member states, uh, countries, I should say. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, oh, shit. No. Okay, like, I'm going to bring you up to the speaker column because, you know, there's a, there's a few people in here I haven't I haven't talked to in, in, in a minute. Um, mm-hmm. William, I mean, I, I want to continue the conversation. And uh, Vladi, you can you can jump in at any time, but I'm gonna I'm gonna grab Jonathan and see if see if he'll talk to us. Hey, Jonathan. Oh, good. Bring him up. I know I haven't heard of Jonathan. So I haven't talked in a to while. you in several months, sir. What's going on with so... it? I I didn't really have anything uh, topical. I was just eavesdropping. Oh. <laughs> okay. Well, we just haven't heard from you in a while, so. I mean... I mean, is it any of this World Economic Forum, you know, posits uh, any of it, you know, washes absurdly for you? Because it, it certainly does where William is concerned. They're trying to launder uh, health care regulations. They're not health care people. You know, I'm not going to go to Davos and say, please help me. Help me regulate the health care system. You know, that'll never happen. I was just listening to Michael Hudson on Macro and Cheese today talking about how the purpose of the IMF is to is to basically guarantee that the oligarchs are going to be saved and that the people are going to be exploited in whatever country. It's Ukraine right now. But they'll sort of dump a bunch of money in there to, to make sure that the, uh, the companies can keep going as long as they owe what they owe for the loans that they're given is owed in dollars. It's all about which currency the thing is denominated in. Okay. And then, you know, if if it comes to a place where they're not going to be able to extract rents from that country, they will provide the... They won't bail out the citizens, but they'll provide the people with the liquidity and the alternative currencies and the alternative uh, debt mechanisms the credits. To, to get the way out. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's basically just understand the structure, like the old structure in political economy was like the producers, and this is still in place to a degree, like the producers fleece uh, the value from the consumers, but now, like if you want, if you want Germany to be the producer, and they're going to sell to Greece or Italy, say, you can, you can then go behind Germany by financing it, so ever since World War II, they extract rents from the workers. They extract rents from renter, literal renters. And then they basically extract fixed commodity prices, which is another form of rent, from everybody to whom they sell because they're the producers. But then if you're the one that, to whom they owe interest, which is another form of rent, then you get it at the end of the day. And you can just up the interest rate to make sure that whatever Germany gets, you get. 
So it was left, we rebuilt the economy after World War II. So we basically own Germany. And the fact that they're in an awkward position right now because, because of, because of Gazprom, like they're, they're owners of that too. I think they actually own a larger part of it than Russia does. So when, when no one wants to buy from Gazprom, Germany gets hurt. We've actually just defeated, I think, Michael Hudson wrote an article called We've Defeated Germany for the Third Time in a Century. Well, I mean, you know, I'm beginning to trip a little bit because I'm like, okay, if we're, what is the position of Germany that they are to a foe to be defeated? You know, I'm just just curious. They were going to interrupt dollar hegemony. Is that that the U.S. has, has been too involved and it's basically a puppet. Even though the Germany is the strongest industrially that holds the European Union when it comes to money, it's a money house. The problem is it's 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 uh, castrated, so it does what it's told. It doesn't have enough armament. It's just buying 35 uh, brand new F-35s, I think it was, from the United States. That's not going to get overnight. So it's 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 running around. I mean, if in fact when it was under Hitler, not that I'm trying to praise him or anything by any means. It, it, they got their shit together, but now it's a weakling, dying country in a way, per se, at least in its values. It's it's too politically correct. It does everything that the European Union tells them. It's screwing up its own culture. I don't know if you noticed uh, in the FIFA World Cup. Uh, normally, Germany used to have their own people, white people, very tall. They were superior in playing. I'm not trying to say white supremacy, none of that shit. But they were good at playing. If you saw the representation, the representation in the World Cup, it was a joke. Who the hell are these guys? They they could have gone up against Argentina and easily ripped them up or France. But no, it's not even identified anymore. Who the hell are Germans now? No pride in their own people. You know, I mean, I, mean, I, don't, the, the, I don't really know, man. I mean, it it does seem like there's some sort of dissipation going on with with Germany in general. Angela Merkel held it down, but then she was kind of undermined, and then there's kind of like this social socialist equivocation that's mm-hmm. happening, and and this is true of like a lot of the Nordic com- countries that are that are there right now. You've got a a, a trend with you know the PM Senna. Senna, I can't remember the last Senna. That's okay. <laughs> the dancer. She, oh, okay. uh, she, she's kind of conforming to NATO. I think there's a lot of people who are trying to just, you know, do the right thing and not get yelled at too much. No. And and that's that's not the way you lead. Um, unfortunately. You know the the internet it, it, has changed it's, it's a lot. Gutless. Of it's it's uh, it's devolved. They they got no power. They have it in a way, but they should have rebelled a long time ago. They should have kicked out the U.S. out. They should have said, you know what, we're going to go our own way. Screw you. You're going to get us nuked by Russia. We had something working out with Russia. They should have just told the U.S., you know what, I'm sorry, I'm not complying. I just turned off like an idiot all the clean burning nuclear energy. Just to comply to all these little green toads that are in part, 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 in part parliament and that are just wanting green, green, we want green, we want green, we want climate change, climate change, green, green, you know, all the little uh, Greta Thunberg. But instead of standing up with like, a, with like leaders, like they were known in the past, 
even if they were heartless, if they were cruel, do it. Raise your country up. You see, that's what I'm telling you. All Germany is doing is it's going to create a, a fascist third uh, uh, outright like it's never seen before if it doesn't change. Because people really Hudson hate said the, the Green Party in, in Germany is the most fascist party there now. Which is yeah, the, oh, right now. That's worth saying. And, and, those, and that fits with the whole World Economic forum absurdity because yeah. you know when you're fascist you know that you're typically not going to observe the welfare of the earth that's that's not the name of the game the name of the game is economic dominance i linked the uh, uh it's it's only a few days old i linked the his interview there if you can stand the fact that it's an mmt podcast keep in mind that no two people mean the same thing when they say mmt anymore like it's all very messy <laughs> <laughs> but all he's saying, like what he, what I got out of his version of it, was why the fuck in the Fed? It was basically end the Fed. You know, it's like why the fuck in the Fed create? Like if the Fed can create dollars and we can loan them to the Treasury, why can't the Treasury just create dollars? What do we need to? They come out of nowhere anyway, you know. So why okay. do we have to pay interest? So on I, I, I'd, I'd buy into end the Fed, you know, twelve days a week, but we only have seven. You know, that that's where I'm at. But that's not MMT, from what I can, you know, well, they, it's just MMT laundry, which is also yeah. absurd. It's absurd. It's There's a lot so of different strange. facets to it, but, but he, he, you'll enjoy his take on the IMF at the very least. Yeah, no, no doubt. So I'm going to go back to the to the live chat comments. Okay, we've got Flyover Man's uh, comment here from the the YouTube live. Make sure you check that one out. We got Gregor down here. So Sheila says you sound like Madeline Kahn from Young Frankenstein. <laughs> well, thank you, Gregor. Um, let's see here. There was a note here from Warpigs.911. China program is loading. That really says a lot. And then he exited the building. Um, let me see here. World Economic Forum. Future of media, entertainment, and sport. Tackling disinformation. How can we combat the lies that go viral? WEF, uh, disinformation is creating a polluted information environment that individuals and news organizations are still learning to navigate. Social media platforms have a central but complex role in addressing the problem. Uh, Restoring trust. Now, this is something that I can't confirm yet, but I need to dig around. There There were still shots that somebody pulled up from a spreadsheet. And they had major players like Mark Andreessen, okay? Mark Andreessen, if I could confirm his membership with the World Economic Forum and also being on, say, the board of Facebook, you know, that's one character of a whole list of characters who are World Economic Forum members on the boards of Facebook. Something similar happened at Twitter, and I'm pretty sure that that's the reason why Twitter uh, disbanded its board. You know, Elon Musk came, came in there and found a bunch of, you know, WEF cockroaches and said, forget it. You guys are gone. I'm, this is a privately owned company now. I'll just get another board. And then he just booted everybody. So, <clears throat> so there were a bunch of WEF characters. This is the scenario. And on my last show that I did... I owed you a show, so that's what this is. Um, 
I put up the notice from the DHS's CISA website, which is just like a gold mine. You just keep gets the gift that keeps on giving. I can go there and pull down, you know, stuff that's just laying around public. Woo! I just pull it down, and and the fine print at the bottom was that who the defined stakeholders were. At at the tail end, it was you know philanthropy and think tanks, and at the top, it was like DNI, FBI law enforcement, intelligence community agencies, and that sort of thing, police and fire, and then, you know, academics and, and doctors, and then at the tail end, it was think tanks. So what you have here is you've got the WEF at the end with the, the philanthropy and the think tanks, but actually they're on the, but social media was one of those stakeholders. And if you've got a bunch of WEF board members on the social media boards, like at Facebook, Facebook is going to volunteer up to coordinate abhorrent disinformation, misinformation, malinformation policies. So let's just say, you know, let's just say Mark Andreessen was was a WEF robot. <clears throat> it's just a scenario. And he said, okay, we're going to do whatever the, you know, we're going to do it the WEF way, and when the DHS comes to us for recommendations on how to manage misinformation, we're just going to tell them what to do. So in the past, stakeholders for DHS policy have been the public. And I remember because there would be a, a public input period, and it would be you know, NGOs and nonprofits and civil libertarian, uh, you know, think tanks and those sorts of people, you know, myself, you know, people who, who would come forward, activists at that time, who were interested in civil liberties would be able to stand up and say, listen, uh, I think you need to obey the your own laws and the laws that apply to you. Now, lately, the media doesn't, they're just like ignoring laws. They're, they're openly, flagrantly, like, ignoring the laws that actually exist. Okay, and, and they've got lawyers on their team that are doing the same thing. It's like they're just publishing things that are not legally sound. Meaning, like, they do editorial at, like, they're going to rescope the, the law through the media. And that is what propagandists do, um, and it's it's kind of a terraforming of a different type from a different government quasi government entity. Okay, they're trying to convince the public of a new government that doesn't actually exist, which is a real head head fake. Okay, and that in and it's, of itself is a form of misinformation, but the government's not going to treat it that way because, um, you know, the social media companies and the media companies are architected similarly, okay? They've got the similar type of people on the boards. So if you've got, like, the WEF types on social media, well, they're going to be barking order orders at the media companies who are also competitors and, you know, you know, collaborators at the same time, collaborators and competitors. So they're just going to mimic each other. 
Okay, and then so the you know the WEFs are also barking orders at, at DHS saying like here's what you need to do to manage this misinformation, disinformation, malinformation policy. You let us run things. You let us control the information architecture. You know, let us determine what is and what is not. And in the meantime, they're they're ballooning this false neoliberal construct based on you know world economic you know non-government priorities that aren't legal they don't exist and, and nobody passed any laws but they're they're manufacturing something that is completely you know it's a contortion of reality so if you think that you're being you know head screwed that's the reason why so uh, so the, I'll just let you go. That, I mean, that's really important to say, though. Can you say anything? Oh, can you bring McGregor? Uh, Gregor, sorry. I think. Oh yeah, wait. absolutely, absolutely. Can Can you hear me, Sheila? Yeah, yeah, I can hear everybody. I can hear everybody. Okay. Gregor. No, I thought William was about to speak, so I was going to let him speak. Okay, go ahead, William. Quick. Go ahead. You did an excellent breakdown of that. That's absolutely true. It's propaganda. It's the fourth right, really, uh, policy coming. From I, I'll go that far because we're looking at imposing uh, uh, the Wolf, uh, Naomi Wolf, right? The uh, Daily Clout. I put a link there on the critical World Health Organ Wealth World Health Organization to finalize proposed IHR amendments this week. Of course, this was the last week of January. And those 10 amendments are there. And, and rather than me cover them now, because it would take more than a minute, and obviously Gregor's been waiting, anyone can load those up. And if you read those, Sheila, take some time to read those. Maybe we'll talk, talk about them in the, at length. It's shocking to read those 10 amendments that they're considering. It's unbelievable. I mean, uh, anyway, uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll mute for now. And uh, Well, just yeah. read us two. Can you read oh. for, for the benefit of the people who, who are not, who are going to listen to this later? Well, first can you, of all, can you, can you read two? Sure. The First Amendment is to change the overall nature of the World Health Organization from an advisory organization that merely makes recommendations to a governing body whose proclamations would become legally binding. That's Article 1. Whoa. <laughs> Go ahead. Next one. They're all as, as shocking. Uh, greatly expand the scope of the international health regulations to include scenarios that merely have a potential to impact public health. Potential is highlighted. This is that's Amendment Two that's being proposed. Very so that's broad. that's a that's a government non-government takeover. That's a yes. power grab. Mm-hmm. Yes, and there's, there's seek, I have to have the seek to remove respect for dignity, human rights, and fundamental freedom of people. That's Article 3. This is like I said, when I said the fourth right, we're actually talking about, um, Joseph Gorbel, you know. Goebbels, uh, yeah. Goebbels, I'm sorry, yeah. And yeah. there's no R in there, it's just Goebbels. Goebbels, Goebbels. I thought there was no R. I, I, anyway, so. Goebbels, Goebbels, Goebbels. Right? <laughs> German Turkey. Mm -hmm. the, the, the director general of the World Health Organization control over the means of production through allocation plan for health products to require developed states parties to support and supply the pandemic response products as directed 
That's Article uh, 13A. So, I mean, this is just a, the, the, several of them. I mean, it just gets worse from there. It's, you can't imagine this. That, that, that this is, these are their amendments, which, of course, we'll wait and see what happens. These are the... the uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, you know. So anyway, welcome uh, to the special executive for counterintelligence, terrorism, revenge, and extortion. I, I missed all that. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's the, that's uh, Jonathan doing his Russian. Oh, okay. <laughs> his white Russian. <laughs> go ahead, Gregor. Go ahead. You know, and and William brings up a great point that these organizations that were had such noble roots, um, at least in theory, and the United Nations, for starters, is not one that I'm considering noble roots, but uh, given some of the folks involved in the beginning, you know, but this was their goal from the beginning was to come up with a an international organization to rule the world. And you know, the hail Hydra, let's, let's bring Spectre in, Spectre in, you know, take name your poison. Um, it all boils down to the same thing where what we know from history and experience, local is better. And you know, free exchange is better, you know, and, and yet we have to be in control of everything. You know, the, you talked about uh, modern monetary theory, you know, how, you know, that's because that's what we're living under now. We're just printing money in order to, we're just printing money thinking there's not going to be any consequences and there will be consequences. And we're seeing them with our egg prices as somebody, you know, you pointed out about the eggs and, and mm. you know, I, I live in Oregon, which is an egg rich place. And I actually went to a Costco the, the other day and the only thing they had was a couple of cases of hard boiled eggs. There was no raw eggs anywhere um and that's insane because we have so many huge you know chicken plants around here but i'm finding out many of them were either chose to or were ordered to kill their chickens because of avian flu threats so yeah there's a real attack on the on the chicken bird you know as, as a food source i think that you know it's time to be kind and get your own chicken well, yeah. You know, I I, we are unincorporated. I just want to talk a little, little uh, country talk here. Um, we are unincorporated with the city of Austin, and we're we're next to an FM, which is a country road FM. Yeah, we're we're near an FM, and because we're unincorporated, Austin um, adjacent, we have not been annexed as a as a uh, as a civil territory. We're in the state of Texas, but but uh, there's there's no law that says that I cannot have a chicken. Well, and here in Hillsboro, Oregon, you know that's that is so incorporated. They allow you to have chickens, and even um, you know if you have the space, you can have the chickens. Um, you know, so it's there. And, and I, I, but it's it's interesting. I mean, we we keep reading in history how all these things happen over and over again and i find it always fascinating that the the solution always seems to be getting back local getting back to what's around you and roots um you know and and the hard part is is that with modern technology and warfare um you know between the surveillance state and everything else we think that's harder but i'm not so sure that 
it isn't still the solution that we, you know, if we just start looking to buy local and start looking to participate locally, at some point the federal government says, well, you can't do that. And the rest of us just say, I'm sorry, that's not your business. I mean, we're seeing yeah, that there is a 10th Amendment, and... Gregor, for that reason. You know, the, the, the state governments have the right to tell the federal government on certain matters, just, you know, go pound sand. Now, yeah, there is a supremacy fight in most things. But, you know, generally there is a there is a limit. And those limits occasionally do get tested. But the federal government knows that, that the 10th Amendment is a real amendment. And there's tons well, I mean, no, maybe, maybe not a ton, ton, but there's sufficient constitutional case law that supports the 10th Amendment. Yeah. And, and Illinois and, and Michigan both passed anti uh, what they're calling assault weapons bans. And in both of those states, most of the sheriffs have said, yeah, no, never mind. We're not going to enforce it. And they're finding out that it's impossible to function. So it's not that I don't think we should worry about the world as a whole, because, you know, though I do enjoy a good Mopani worm occasionally, I don't want to have to be forced to eat bugs. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's been 30 years since my last Mopani worm, but still. With a nice Chianti. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, they're more like corn nuts. So they go better with beer, but that's besides the point. Um, but uh, anyway, <laughs> sorry, I couldn't resist. I used to live in Africa. Let's just do the corn nuts. Uh, what? <laughs> just what do the it? corn nuts. Well, they're you're not going to eat a worm. You know that tastes like a corn. Tastes like corn nuts. Yeah, like, but more protein. I'm not going to eat a worm worms, that okay? tastes like corn nuts. Yeah, but there's more. There's more protein in a pony worm. Um. <laughs> anyway, so you know, it's just that you know, I, I, that's one of the things that I don't often hear people talking about. I hear talk, people talking about what's wrong, but I also want to see if we can start talking about solutions because if we don't, you know, we can talk about what's wrong all the way into the gulag. Well, let me just boost this one particular substack today while there's, because everybody here is, is pretty interested in solutions. That's for sure. Uh, I don't think the people who are attracted to my program are, are interested in, keep, you know, maintaining the problems. So the Rationalist Society is a is a Substack. Uh, the Rationalist Society, and they are a, 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 a germane, like, you know, a pedestrians think tank. Like, you know, anyone can can contribute to. Um, solving problems you know and they, they'll reach for anything they'll reach for um you know the occasional you know white paper they will reach for things that that are uh, at at use in communities they will reach for tedx talks that seem relevant um but this is the rationalist society and so a lot of the things that are being discussed go in the comments section rationalist society on substack so check it out um i i co-post there and sometimes i will do other things there um again truth talk uk and i would boost them a little bit i'm trying to get tm hinchcliffe on there um i'm trying to get perneal tramberg um of data ethics eu to come join us um again because I've worked with her 
and I'm sure that she has something to say about this AI initiative in the EU booting biometrics, uh, you know, dissent. Because the NGOs that were asked to leave were the ones who were saying no to biometrics. And this is super dangerous because the chief export of biometric surveillance is coming from China. And Christopher was Ray, Christopher Ray was present at the at the WEF to to say, listen, China's dangerous. China's you know really autocratic in this way, and I'll bet you money uh, that China said, okay, China's lawyers were like, okay, here's how you make this really autocratic. Here's how you take the health regulations and you make it the government. That's how you do that. We'll just write it down for you here. You know, you can copy from our paper, and this is how you get communist government. There you go. Thanks. See you Go later. Hydra. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but but exactly. a lot. Exactly. A lot of these kids. This this is what they baffles me. And I'm going to be having the show with Peter, the one that was here earlier. He left because uh, he had other things to do, and he's a, he he came from a communist country, China. So I told him, why don't we do a show where we get the perspective of people who've actually lived under tyranny, under authoritarianism, and, you know, all these people that are socialist, 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 and communist, 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 all this shit. We hear enough of that, but we don't really get a true perspective because nobody's lived in that. But you, like Romanian, like Venezuelans, like North Koreans and, and Vietnamese, who come from those countries, you have an eyewitness, anecdotal experience of those authoritarian systems that, like China right now, social credit, surveilling people. We could get exactly go into your mind and see what it's like. So, you know, for those that are going around peddling that it's a utopia, it's not a utopia. If they complain about a police state here in America as the way we are, Militarized? You don't think they're, you think they're going to like it in a militarized state under a communist regime, which is going to be far worse? We're, oh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm going to be doing the show pretty soon. I'll invite you. I'll, I'll put you in, and uh, whoever wants to come in. But I'm doing it because a lot. All I hear in a lot of these forums is uh, Democrat, socialist, socialist America, communist, anarcho communist, all this shit. And a lot of these kids don't right. even know what the hell they're talking about. And well, I mean, I to, do. Uh, I do know. Something, Vlad, because, you know, there, I was on the edge of a lot of really hardcore communist evangelism, you know, and people were really, like, you know, they were kind of open to it in, in western Washington and definitely, you know, downwind of Vancouver. You know, it is a very serious situation uh, when people are, are romanticizing uh, the Chinese communist government as the WEF has done, and as Justin Trudeau, uh, uh -huh. the, the young global leader, well, yeah, exactly. has done, okay? And so you've got the seductive output of, you know, the Trudeau government breathing down the neck of the border states on Canada, Michigan, New York, Washington State, and the like. You know, they're, they're sympathetic to, to some of this, this WEF policy, because they're like, well, you want to do, you know, transit over the border. You know, we're going to yank your chain. We're not going to talk about it. I'll spank you behind closed doors, bureaucrats. Uh, and, and then they come back to the state houses. And like, oh, I guess we're going to do it their way. 
I'm, I'm, I'm serious, uh, Shayla. Our country has become, it needs a dose of men like Dan Pena who are whipping people into shape. I mean, he's doing it with business leaders, God bless him, 70 something. I, I don't necessarily agree because he has a very sharp tongue. But guess what? We need a dose of men from the, he, he was, he's supposed to be a baby boomer. His father was, uh, in World War II, like my grandfather. We need a dose of those strong men and women that used to line up and put their families on check. Who built the great, great Well, I mean, they're uh, not focused. The, our culture is. I'm sorry. I need to let you finish. Sorry. No, our our culture say it. Our culture is going down the drain. That's the bottom line. It's all over the place, and it's looking for a savior. And it's looking for a savior instead of looking looking at history and all the atrocities that happen in in the world. It's just looking for a savior. It's not Jesus that they want. They just want uh, Stalin. <laughs> I'd like to add a couple of things if I can here. First, starting with the chicken issue. Um, quickly, I put links in the live chat regarding the PCR test being used to test for this supposed avian flu. And um, of course, there's articles there of Kerry Mullis who invented the PCR. And, uh, and he flat out stated, he died in 2019, but prior he flat out stated he never developed a test to diagnose disease. And that it can't. Um, so uh, there's there's evidence there to back up what I'm saying. So now the, the the latest genocide of poultry, we're talking in the tens of millions, and when you add it up, nearly hundred millions of birds, based on this test that was used for us in this whole COVID. Hey, can you hear me? <laughs> I, I, yes. Did you say something? Did I? What happened? Uh, my, the app dropped out. Oh, so did you hear me at all? Hello? Yeah, you were heard. Uh, I, I think it just happened to Shayla. Oh, come in, Shayla. Well, while we're waiting to hear from Shayla, regarding the United States, I think it needs to be mentioned that the bipartisan trade agreements from the North American Free Trade Agreement to the Asian Free Trade Agreement, the Asian Free Trade Agreement, the Trans-Pacific Pact that were passed through our legislature has outsourced our jobs to Mexico, China, India, Asian countries. This was a plan and a demolition of U.S. Uh, production. And uh, so... I think we need to consider that and, and the World Economic Forum's uh, involvement and their young global leaders and global influencers. I think there's a total of nearly 5,000 and over 1,000 corporations involved. Um, you know, this is a long-range plan they've had. This isn't something that just happened. Um, they've been involved over decades and decades. And then we also have, I mean, we have 4.3% of the world's population and we have the the largest uh, penal colony in the world uh, where we have, uh, what is it? Um, estimates around 2.3 million people in between federal and state prisons. Uh, the incarceration rate here in the United States being nearly 700 per 100,000, whereas China's 150 per 100,000, Russia's around 400, 100,000, last statistics I saw. So I think we need to put things into context. 
Um, we, uh, I like Sheldon Wallen's work in Inverted Totalitarianism, Democracy Inc., where our, our government's not run by the politicians. It's run by the transnational corporations, which they have no borders as far as they're concerned. They'll outsource whatever they need to, wherever they want to, to maximize profit with the least amount of environmental and labor regulations and maximize the dollar return to build up their stock margins. And uh, it's all about money, money, money. They have no borders. They, they, you know, they offshore a lot of their money, uh, and in foreign bank accounts, uh, 60 minutes at a piece well over a decade ago on the United States being the money laundering capital of the world. Um, what was that one called? I'm trying to remember having a senior moment. Um, anyway, it'll come to me if I keep talking. So, um, yeah, they did a piece on that and on the money laundering capital of the world being the United States of America. We have a lot of problems here that are systemic and systematic that are directly involved with uh, the World Economic Forum and those non-government organizations and people uh, involved. Uh, Anonymous Inc. is a 60-minute piece. Um, I'm just waiting for Sheila to come back. Uh, assuming she will. I don't know what happened to her connection. Um, so I'm going to... I don't know if Gregor wants are to jump in. Are you in there, Sheila? Comment as well. Yeah. Well... Okay, so um, then if, if you look at who we have on parole and probation and federal and state prisons, we have 10 million people in the criminal justice system in the United States. Uh, there, there's more people who have a criminal record in the United States that have a college degree or near equal, depending on what statistics you find. Uh, this can all be verified just by doing simple searching. You know, I didn't, I'm not Johnny Carson Kreskin. I didn't come up with these numbers. And uh, we have tremendous prosecutorial misconduct problems. Um, and just look at the Dozinger case and the Ecuadorian rainforest and the civil suit that where Dozinger, after he won a $9.6 billion settlement versus the giant oil company Chevron, Texaco, then uh, they brought him back to the New York courts and uh, civil proceeding and slapped him with a contempt charge because he wouldn't turn over his laptop and cell phone. He has confidentiality clauses with his clients and their pollution is is not denied. I mean, it's self-evident. We're talking like horrific people uh, and deaths and poisoning of groundwater, uh, rivers, uh, you know, whole estuaries, everything uh, that... Uh, uh, just destroying the ecosystem and causing all kinds of illness. Um, and yet he gets slapped with a, a quasi criminal charge of contempt by the judge found guilty without a jury by the judge went to jail. He's house arrest from over nearly a thousand days. I forget the exact number, 940 odd or plus and uh, lost his law degree. I mean, this is the United States of America. Our court systems, as George Carlin said, completely bought out uh, house, the, the state houses, courthouses, the judicial branch, the, you name it. Um, our, we look at the uh, we can look at the uh, uh, Princeton Northwestern study, a 20 year study on our politics, uh, which was Professor Gillen's and Page, respectively, that basically said 20 year study, you, you're the bottom 90 percent. Our votes don't matter. According to that study, I'm just giving you a thumbnail version. You can disagree, but I'm talking about a federal 
uh, legislation and what gets passed and what the committee's doing, don't do. And for heaven's sake, all we have to do is follow the money, uh, where the lobbying money is coming from and who both sides of the aisle are investing their money in big tech, in big pharma, in big oil and gas. And then we wonder, of course, it can't go any other way. We have the foxes watching the chicken coop, you know. So uh, I think that's a fair analysis. Uh, so uh, the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and the Declaration of Independence are written in the spirit of, uh, of a great spirit, with the exception of the Afro-Americans having considered, what, two-thirds of a person? I can't remember the exact. That obviously was horrific. But, you know, those rights to due process and free speech uh, laws passed uh, we, we have, uh, you have common law coming over from England. You have case law created on the bench. You have natural law and the federal free speech laws that have been completely trampled on, uh, that set legal precedent that re, that prohibits states from restricting free speech. That would be Brandenburg versus Ohio, uh, New York Times versus Sullivan and Snyder versus Phelps. And yet the states run right over it. However, if anyone feels about Alex Jones and what did or didn't happen uh, in that whole matter, the bottom line is, according to the federal free speech laws, the states cannot restrict a voicing of opinion uh, based on investigations, based on anything of national concern, be it school safety, gun rights, uh, civil rights, due process, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so we will see these go to the federal courts. Why, first of all, in Connecticut, I can tell you that the Connecticut statute, a defendant can move a case to federal court within 30 days of the filing by plaintiff. 30 days. They can completely remove it from state court to federal court under that statute. If there's federal subject matter jurisdiction, what does that mean? Well, for example, if you're going through a divorce, you don't have federal subject matter jurisdiction. That's a state deciding state courts. But free speech laws are federal. So under the free speech case laws I just cited, a federal free speech law, every state case that's been restricting free speech has been overturned any major case. And those case laws set legal precedent. The first thing that should have happened was the state case laws in Texas and Connecticut should have been removed to federal court. I don't know why that didn't happen unless the judge denied it, which is grounds for appeal. You know, everywhere in this matter, you have grounds for appeal. However you feel about it, however you see it, bottom line is that's all protected on the free speech. And if we, if, if free speech isn't protected when some people find it uh, abhorrent, then it's not, we, we don't have, that's when we need the free speech laws. There are laws against harassing people, threatening people in the public domain, and that can get you arrested. And then, you know, an arrest doesn't mean anything unless you're not, you don't get a conviction. You follow me? An arrest is a probable cause. Maybe, maybe it exists. So that's up to the arresting officer and his house sergeant. A lot of times that happens due to corruption. So uh, to create a narrative. Anyway, I, I, as everybody in this room knows, I can keep talking. I doubt Sheila wants to just end the room uh, without being able to come back in. And I don't have any idea of what's happening. Um, but uh, so, um, you know, and there are some people 
who, due to emotion, um, do not understand the federal free speech laws or even consider them or want to consider them in the Alex Jones case, which violates, you know, federal, federal case laws. And so this will eventually be appealed. Who also cites this is attorney Robert Barnes and uh, Judge Napolitano. So I'm not out on a limb on my own on this, you know. Um, uh, anyway, um, you know, reporters, for example, take Uvalde. What happened? Who knows? You know, what, what reporters have to have the ability to investigate and ask questions. You know, uh, how can that have come down that way? Uh, this is perplexing. Um, I'll keep talking while she can always edit this out if she wants, obviously. But uh, you also have statute of limitations, which are created in the House and Senate of every state. And as a matter of fact, the damage statute is two years in Connecticut and two years in Texas. Now, Connecticut has a twist they threw in, which is you can't retroactively change the statutes and have them apply to a case, but they extended it to seven years. The, but the spirit of that statute is if someone's evading service. So they move out of state, let's say. Say in Connecticut here, you want to sue somebody for damages, defamation. They move out of state. Now they're evading service. You have seven years to find them. There's no, there's not one marshal who would serve a document of, 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 of a lawsuit complaint that didn't know Alex Jones uh, production address in Texas. And indeed, when he was finally sued in 2018, they had no trouble serving him. So that seven-year statute is just more theater, political and legal theater. It has no real relevance. Robert Barnes cites this as well. It's obvious. The incident reportedly happened in uh, December 14, 2012. There's a two-year statute. And the lawsuits have to be filed in a timely fashion from first utterance, meaning the first mention of the matter that can be considered defamatory. And the first thing you have to prove is intent of malice. Well, when you're investigating an incident and you have reports coming in on FOIA hearings, Freedom of Information Act hearings, where subpoenas for material evidence from Newtown and state uh, police and uh, also uh, 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 school committee and boards, when subpoenas for material evidence are violated in FOIA hearings, and when witnesses did not show up that were subpoenaed, we're talking civil servants. Those are crimes of contempt that there should have been bench warrants issued. Two FOIA hearings. Now, Alex Jones covered this uh, with David DeBondi and David Knight. There's no intent of malice there. That's good reporting. What is going on here? And why are they violating subpoena? You know, there's, an, there's a Latin phrase. Oh, let me see. This one I haven't committed to memory. So I wrote a note to myself, and I have lots of notes on my desk here for some reason it's being buried but what it means is all things can be charged to those basically who withhold evidence 
it's a Latin phrase, and I'll, I'll try and find it exactly um, on my my notes here. First of all, the criminal quasi-criminal charges of contempt that were laid on Donzinger for not turning over his cell phone and laptop. We have the legal precedent. This happens. Should have been filed. And for, number one, it was the officer of the court representing Wolfgang Halbig, who's the uh, complainant or, you know, the one who filed for the FOIA hearing. She should have motioned that judge and petitioned the court for contempt of bench warrants. That's the way that's supposed to work when you're in a civil proceeding. And those bench warrants should have been gone out and enforced. None of that happened. Now, reporting on that is there's no intent of malice in that. Why it didn't happen, that's a whole nother matter. And for those who violate subpoenas, a bench warrant, a capious bench warrant should have been issued for their arrest. Otherwise, what good is a subpoena? What's, what's, it means nothing. So, you know, I, I've fought civil suits. I've made these motions. Now, there's a lot of corruption. I had a judge tell me, oh, Mr. Bonatati, we'll have a third. We'll have another hearing. Uh, we'll have another hearing uh, in a couple of weeks. He wouldn't issue the bench warrants. Then while I'm filling out subpoena requests for the next hearing, I got arrested in the clerk's office filling out subpoena requests. I've never had a subpoena request denied. I'm not an attorney, but I've never had a subpoena request denied by a judge. Never been cited for by a judge for the quasi-criminal charges of contempt or perjury while I was litigating. So they made up some nonsense, claim I was harassing someone at the other end of the building while I'm filling out subpoena requests for a hearing that the judge said he was going to have because he wouldn't issue the bench warrants that I motioned for. This has really happened. And uh, so they arrest me for allegedly harassing the service center manager at the very back of the building who I hadn't seen all day. This is how corrupt it is here. Of course, I got that case dismissed eventually, but they weaponized psychiatry. They had no emails, no voicemails, no uh, video surveillance of me doing anything they claimed. Nothing. And uh, so I said, well, let's go to trial. Well, of course, they couldn't because they had no evidence to support their false claim and their illegal arrest. So what do they do? They weaponized psychiatry and basically came up with a cockamamie uh, uh, and, uh, diagnosis that they're doing for a lot of COVID, good COVID doctors now. This is what the state will do. It's done it since eugenic days. You're crazy if you defy the state narrative. You're delusional bipolar with grandiosity complex, really. Then they're doing this right now. Dr. Bregan on Children's Health Defense Fund of Canada reports on this to doctors in Canada. And they pass, they pass a law in California whereby your doctor, if he's going against a contemporary narrative, and he can get complaints racked up against him that he's got to defend himself in front of some review panel, and he could lose his license. They pass those same type of laws in Australia. Well, they're, William, they're doing that to Jordan Peterson, the, yes. the College of Psychiatry in Ontario. Yes. Whenever they this don't absolutely... have somebody from Ryan. Tell us a little more about that. Well, he got a letter about over a month ago. 
they were complaining that there was some complaints about 13 of them, which all of them were false. Yeah. Because he didn't have those clients. And basically all these people that were complaining were 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 people first of all they're saying that they were his patients. He never had them. He said, I haven't I haven't done any clinical work where people sit down in my office and and I and you know, I, I go through the proper procedures. Yeah. And, uh, I listen to them and all that and I give them advice. And nothing happened. They were that's fake. So then the, the, the College uh, of uh, Psychiatrists of Ontario immediately told them, we, we need to, our complaints have been on, on social media. No, so now they're attacking them on social media. Not a professional setting necessarily, not work-related psychiatry, but related more along the line with what he says. Okay, so how is he misrepresenting the board? If he's not using psychology per se in a professional manner, where he's sitting people in a particular room, uh, authorized setting for such clinical work, yes, it's, he's giving his opinion, and in many many videos, yeah, would happen to be that before that took place, months before, he criticized Justin Trudeau. He's been uh, uh, criticizing yep. Justin Trudeau for the longest, so you know very well that he, he used this part of the college. Of psychiatry Ontario to weaponize it because that's the place that's kind of like the here in California the uh, kind of like the medical board right the, the one that license gives a, the licenses to doctors in medicine and then you have the one for pharmacy pharmacy tags and all that you know I, I know about those in fact, I got I had a permit for a while and uh, what, what was the thing they used it against him so now he has to go to some kind of re-education camp Wow, talk about Gestapo, talk about Politburo, talk about, uh, you know, fucking the Gulag and shit. You've got to go through their re-education, you know, talk about China and shit like that, you know, the Uyghurs. So if you, if you, he didn't comply, he's going to lose his license. So what he's going to do is he's going to challenge it. So he's been suspended, but he's going to challenge it. And he might take it to trial because I believe this is a just. First of all, I know the judge should give it to him. If he's not one of those leftist judges that is with the government, he should say, you know what? On the grounds that, that people filed uh, false reports about you, that alone should do it. What, what, whether they like what he says or the message or how he gives it is irrelevant. There's freedom of speech laws. He has a right as a human to speak his mind. He's not using necessarily his profession because he's not in a psychological uh, uh, setting, you know, psychiatrist setting where he's giving, you know, some kind of clinical work on a patient. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do more, prof uh, uh, you know, different settings where he gives conferences, speeches and stuff and at different auditoriums, paid, you know, his books that he's written or, or interviews that he gives, debates. Or things like on the Joe Rogan show podcast. So there should be no reason whatsoever to 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 take away his license. But they're being mean, mean spirited. They weaponize exactly what you were saying. Thank you for sharing that. It's so true. It's crazy. They not only that. I'm I'm loading the article so I can put it in the live chat. Doctor Bregan, who's since 1970, he's fought the actual frontal lobotomies that were being done to psychiatric patients. And now this is called like a chemical straitjacket or a chemical lobotomy. This is what they're attempting to do to silence dissent, you know, and they, they, uh, this is not uh, hyperbole. This is, these were actual, let, let me, I'm going to load that now because I put it in my clip tray.
so people can reference it who, you know, listen to this show um, if Sheila decides to keep this material in it. So this is the expose um, uh, writing on, on this. And there's an embedded um, audio clip. And then there's the embedded video that goes on for nearly an hour from the Children's Health Defense Fund of Canada. And um, now they give specific instances where doctors have they've done this in Canada, they're like already what they're trying to do to Jordan Peterson. And so this is, you know, uh, totalitarianism. Uh, this is medical tyranny. This has, this is Orwellian, isn't it, Vlad? I mean, can we imagine that this would be happening? Um, uh, and big tech and, uh, oh, was it, uh, Mark Z Zuckerberg and Joe Rogan when he was questioned about what was going on with Facebook and all their, uh, you, you know, uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, disinformation campaigns, uh, to, uh, fact, fake checkers. I call it fable book which I got booted off of, um, where uh, he, he said, well, I was taking orders, Zuckerberg said on the Rogan show. Taking orders from whom? FBI? CIA? Well, let's talk about the Smith Modernization Act of 2012, and we'll have our answers. You know, you've heard me mention this before, right, Vlad? The SMMA. So the first of all, the Smith Month Act of 1948, that uh, codified into law that the State Department could not use the media uh, to propagandize the domestic population of the United States. Like, you know, go ahead and do it overseas all they wanted, you know, with our broadcasts, but not here. Well, we know they have been, but that was the statute and the legislation codified. Well, in 2012, several months before the Sandy Hook and the National Defense Authorization Act being passed of 2013, they passed the Smith Modernization Act. Sounds like a good thing, right? We're modernizing it. Well, what they did was they lifted the prohibition on domestic propaganda. Literally, the SMMA then became an amendment and then NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act. To lift the ban on domestic propaganda, the State Department could use all forms of media and, and since legacy media is dying on the vine, as we know, they pay, our tax dollars pay for this. Actually pay for those reporters to do this. It's no longer Operation Mockingbird. Do you follow what I'm saying? Or MK Ultra. This is part of, you know, domestic propaganda to the max. And that's what we had during this whole COVID I call it pandemic because the PCR test, you cannot build a legally a policy, a health policy on a test that the inventor claims was never diagnosed, uh, designed to diagnose a disease, nor could it. I mean, the fact that you have a fraction of a viral particle in your schnauzola that your mucous membranes could evolve, we know, neutralized. And they amplify it and they amplify it and they amplify it to the point where they get 90% odd false positives. Um, building a COVID policy on that or a avian flu policy on that and destroying livestock. I, this is insanity. Number one, to begin with. And then what does it come out? The WEF 
2022, what does Bill Gates say? Well, we really didn't understand. I'm paraphrasing the best of my recollection. Um, you know, it's a low mortality rate COVID, kind of like the flu, a little different. Yeah, less deadly for kids than even the flu, right? And um, mostly affects the uh, elderly with comorbidities. Yeah, the CDC reports that 94% of the people who died from COVID had multiple comorbidities. I think it's up to 3.6 now they're accounting for. I don't know how they come up with those numbers since the PCR test doesn't determine who died from COVID with COVID. And even it's so inaccurate, the whole thing is a complete sham. Now, I'm not saying people didn't get sick. You know, there could have been a form of flu mutated. Um, maybe it was a gain of function uh, designed uh, bioweapon. Who knows? There's a lot of allegation in those regards. Um, the bottom line is for those affected a small percent of the population, mostly people with comorbidities. And there are protocols, early uh, therapeutics that were being used, uh, like ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, that were indeed used on Trump, monoclonal antibodies used on Chris Christie, used on uh, the surgeon who became uh, Trump's housing uh, HUD official, uh, Ben Carson. So people were treated with these these treatments and did heal without vaccine. So where's the grounds for emergency use authorization when they have medical uh, uh, protocols that were successful? Now, then you look at remdesivir, which was pulled from the Ebola trials because it had a one-third renal failure rate. That become the approved drug, not the ivermectin that was used and the hydroxychloroquine on those prior people, not the monoclonals. No, once you went in the hospital, they wouldn't give you monoclonals. There was one drug authorized once you got admitted. So you got admitted for a car accident. They do a nasal swab. Oh, you got COVID. Next thing you know, you're in a COVID ward. Why? Because it was financially incentivized that the hospitals would get uh, depending on if you were tested positive for COVID, whether or not you got uh, uh, put in a ward uh, specifically for that, whether or not you uh, were uh, put on remdesivir, the only approved drug, whether or not you put on a ventilator, it was all financially incentivized. And the remdesivir with a one-third, one-third renal failure rate uh, and uh, combine that with the uh, ventilator forcing oxygen and air into lungs that were having a cytokine storm, an allergic type reaction that the good doctors were treating come day seven or eight with what? With corticosteroids and antihistamines. Ask anybody who's allergic to shellfish or peanuts. That's what they give, Right. Corticosteroids and antihistamines, it knocks down the allergic reaction, the cytokines created in the allergic reaction. And these people, their blood oxygen saturation levels were rising back to normal. Dr. Paul Merrick, uh, Dr. Pierre Corey, Dr. Peter McCullough, uh, Dr. Michael Heaton, all reported on these, many other doctors, Simone Gold. And they've been retaliated against. I mean... This is a controlled takedown of, uh, in my opinion, a eugenics program. I don't see how we, we can see it any other way, not to mention on the NIH Open Access Medical Journal site, which anyone can access just by Google searching PubMed. Now you're in. 
P-U-B-M-A-D. Use your keywords. Okay. And if you were to search uh, PubMed, zinc and zinc ionophores, COVID. In fact, I'll find that and put it in the live chat. Zinc and zinc ionophores, effective. In 2010, peer-reviewed periodical, effective versus coronavirus. Arterivirus, RNA virus, including polio in the abstract. So they had the cure anyway in 2010. You might say, Bill, what's an ionophore? Well, Dr. Zelenko talked about this, who President Trump, uh, um, uh, uh, what's the right word I'm looking for, spoke to, uh, you know, and uh, uh, took advice from. And that's why you heard Trump talk about zinc when he was talking about it and hydroxychloroquine, which is an ionophore. And, he was honored. Uh, and, and, I think he was honored with a medal, right? Something like that. He was honored. Yeah. Yeah, he was. You're right. And so you're absolutely right, Vlad. And so you have the protocols. Well, an ionophore. What's an ionophore? You know what natural ionophores are? Turmeric, spices, black seed, um, green tea extract. The ionophore charges the zinc so that it gets it from the blood plasma into the cell, uh, from the blood into the cell, uh, uh, inside the cell where the virus replicates, that's where you need it. So the way Dr. Zelenko des- described it, the allegory he used was that the, um, the ionophore was like the shotgun and the zinc was the bullet, but you had to get the zinc inside the cell. That was, the, that's the key. And that's why that 2010 PubMed, PubMed uh, periodical peer-reviewed is relevant. Now, some people have mentioned this. Oh, PubMed is like Wikipedia. No, it's a peer-reviewed NIH, National Institute of Health, uh, library, uh, uh, you know, open access medical journal. It's not Wikipedia. That's nonsense. Some The retorts I get sometimes are crazy. Um, and uh, if something's, uh, you know, an early print, it'll say so. And it's under peer review. But these are old articles. In fact, there's a 2005 on chloroquine, safe and effective versus coronavirus, 2005, right in the NIH Open Access Medical Journal. Then if you start going nutraceuticals, holy smokes, there's all kinds of things that are effective, known effective against respiratory illness and viruses and holy smokes from elderberry, which they've known for decades. In fact, Tamiflu is derived from elderberry. I didn't tell you that, though. Why? Because if it occurs in nature, the pharmaceutical companies can't patent it in its natural form. They have to tweak it in a lab, you know, and and uh, turn it into something else. But they can't patent zinc. And there are natural ionophores. Now, the, the, uh, the um, modes, there's three modes that ivermectin have been shown to be effective in all stages of coronavirus, according to the American Journal of Therapeutics, uh, meta-analysis of 18 studies. And that all got buried. All of it. It's safe and effective in all stages of COVID. American Journal of Therapeutics. Um, a meta-analysis is a study of many studies, and they compile the data. So um, the best of my recollection, ivermectin acts as a zinc ionophore. It reduces inflammation and cytokines. Uh, it also helps uh, prevent the clumping of red blood cells. 
All these things are effective in versus COVID. And frontline COVID critical care doctors have been saying this. In Ron Johnson hearings, multiple hearings, roundtable hearings with other good doctors, along with Peter McCullough, American Frontline doctors, Simone Gold, many others. I'm leaving out so many other good doctors, Dr. Ryan Cole, pathologist. And with the vaccine injured, with, you know, the survivors of those who died from this uh, vaccine, uh, now you have uh, uh the attorney general of Florida with, uh, uh, so you have um, DeSantis uh, put together a disinformation panel with uh, Joseph Latipo, his surgeon general, where they're going to be fighting the disinformation coming from where? From the World Health Organization, from the CDC, from the, the Fauci uh, medical tyranny uh, mafia. That's their agenda is to fight that disinformation. He says the World Health Organization policies are dead on arrival here in Florida. We need Ron Johnson uh, combining with those uh, with DeSantis and other good uh, governors to push this in surgeon generals. And you're going to see it in red states. You're not going to see it in blue states like corrupt again where I live. You know, so hopefully this continues to build momentum. The the one of the hitches in the get along is follow the money. If you look at who's invested in big pharma and where the lobbying money, it's on both sides of the aisle. So that's why a lot of times we have these committee hearings and Rand Paul will argue it out with Fauci and they go back and forth. And Fauci, they change what kind of function is by changing its euphorisms. You know, they just change the terminology. But the bottom line is, you know, so then they, they move the goalposts around. And we don't ever see anything, you know, coming from a lot of these committees. Is it political theater? I'm asking because I'll tell you what. There's, boy, if there's ever been a case of medical fraud and crimes against humanity that is on the epic scale that like nothing in the past, we're talking how many billions of people got injected and what they're finding in myocarditis, pericarditis. Do you know that there's been over 1,600 athletes around the world who have had collapsed from myocarditis issues on the field, 11 to 1,200 dead by now, according to Dr. Peter McCullough, in a year and a half. These are staggering numbers, staggering off the charts by multitudes of numbers. I, I'm trying to remember what the average number is. I don't want to misquote it, but I think it's lower than 29 in the same time period, normally, if you go back into medical records, you know. And if it's happening with athletes who are highly trained and in excellent shape, what's happening to the elderly taking these and in, in these this gene therapy, as they want to call it? It's not a traditional vaccine, by the way, at all, at all. It doesn't work that way at all. And you can't, you cannot vaccinate in the middle of a pandemic with a leaky vaccine and get, and what did it come out? What did it come out, Vlad? Didn't it come out? That as it turns out, uh, the Pfizer finally admitted that uh, they never tested for whether or not it stops transmission in their trials, right? And then the claims, well, they claim they never said it, but the advertiser, the TV pundit said it, sponsored by Pfizer. Didn't they just come up with that out of nowhere? The, the legacy media? Of course not. You know, that was all, they were given directives 
Smith Modernization Act of 2012. You want to get funded? You want to maintain your position as an anchor, as a reporter? You, This is a script. That's how it comes down. You know? And I had a good friend of mine I knew for nearly four decades die after his second shot. No comorbidities. Down to his high school weight. Dead. And then my stepsister's daughter. Died in her sleep. No major comorbidities, 38 years old. After her second injection. Then when I used to be on Fable Book before I got kicked off, I heard this coming from people all over the country and all over the world in groups, you know, I was involved in. So like a lot of people, I put up the evidence off the NIH site, and then I quoted the doctors building protocols based on that, that Trump... Ben Carson, Chris Christie used, and I got kicked off Facebook. You can't make this shit up. You know, and, and th those, I mean, we had the, the then president being treated in a protocol that should have been used nationally. He said when he came out of the hospital, didn't he? He said, don't worry about this. We have medications. And he had high comorbidities. He's technically obese. In his 70s, he's got, those are two major comorbidities right there, age and and body mass index. I don't know what his blood pressure or his vitals are, but that could have been more than one comorbidity. And yet he came through, you know? And so there have been, and there are treatments. And there's multiple herbs on top of that that have known to have been effective for viruses. I mean, all we got to do is look back at what, um, ancient Greek medicine, Hippoc you know, Hippocrates, Hippocrates, I don't know you, exactly how to say it. People say it differently, but the bottom line is the holistic uh, healthcare that uh, was all there was before uh, the Flexner Report and Big Pharma, Rockefeller Medicine in the early 1900s that that worked through Congress to defund the naturopathic colleges. You know, um, we have one here in Bridgeport, University of Bridgeport. Naturopathic College, Dr. Ather Ali was my integrative doctor up at Yale. They were working directly with Yale and the Haven. And prior to that, in the early, late 1980s, early 90s, best of microelection, we had Yale University doing ECAP, except, exceptional cancer patients. Bernard Siegel, Love Medicine and Miracles, putting together holistic um, protocols for people with cancer, which included holistic family type psychotherapy and, and, uh, healthcare. And suddenly we went from all that to this, to the big pharma, you know, vaccine mandates, mask mandates, you know, emergency use authorizations, you know, trust the science. This, this is insanity. You know, weren't we all told anyway to get multiple opinions when you were sick? We were all told that. And growing up, and if it wasn't for that, we never would have had Lorenzo's oil, which those those parents keeps kept seeking, seeking for something to break down the fatty, uh, the fat buildup, fatty liver. That if, I believe that's the basis for the the disease, where there are enzymes missing in the liver to break down fats, and then the child dies of fatty liver disease. The liver gets clogged up. And um, if I'm not mistaken, that movie was out several decades ago. I think it, 
says alpha lipoic acid. But then you also have uh, the epilepsy treatment of by uh, you know uh, derivatives of um, of uh, hemp oil, which is more effective than any pharmaceutical. You know, I, never thought, I never thought I would say it. I never thought we would hijack in 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 a non malicious manner. Shayla's show. <laughs> well, the bottom line is, I don't want to. I'm hoping she reconnects and comes back in because, you know, uh, unless she's on a call or something. But yeah, she should have been able to come back maybe 15, 20 minutes ago. I but agree. That, well, <laughs> she can always edit this out. You know what I mean? She could just sure. when she does her editing, just that, when she gets cut off, she could just and and edit the show at that point. But I think it's important that people now, when we have this whole Pfizer. Project Veritas expose and Jimmy Dore covered this and redacted covered it. A lot of people covered it. You couldn't not, you know, on, on social media platforms and YouTube. So, uh, I'll tell you what, Vlad, if I had gotten multiple vaccines with what's going on, I'd, I'd be very concerned, you know, um, thank God I didn't, but, uh, uh, there are some protocols that that uh, are being discussed. Uh, frontline COVID critical care doctors has some protocols. People can look them up. I use, uh, you may not find them using Google as a browser, but I use Yandex, Y-A-N as in Nancy DX, find anything I want there as a browser. So frontline COVID critical care doctors, they do have potential protocols um, for those who are vaccine injured and they discuss it. These are all experienced doctors that have decades of experience. Um, uh, Dr. Peter McCullough, I don't know if American Frontline Doctors has developed a protocol. Dr. Zelenko, although he passed away from cancer, has a protocols listed. Um, I'm just trying to provide some information that uh, people, I, I'd be very concerned. If, and then, boy, how about when the Pfizer dump came out when the courts required it. The 10,000 pages with eight pages of side effects. Nobody had informed consent. Nobody. Nobody. And this is this is all international crimes against humanity that should be prosecuted like in Nuremberg trial settings. I don't think we're ever going to see it, but, you know, it needs to at least be discussed. And... Uh, and, and Sheila and I have talked about these things. So these aren't most of these things we've covered while she's been in the room in the past. So um, it won't come to a surprise that I'm discussing these things. But again, she could always edit out what she feels she needs to. Um, we're not getting any new callers. We do have um, Vlad put up something from globalnews.com. Let's see what that is. What is that report, Vlad? Global News. It's loading. I'll have a look at it. Um, Jordan Peterson says Ontario psychologist's license may be suspended over public statements. Unbelievable. There is no, it's coming down to where they are whipping the people with lawfare like this and psychological um, uh, attacks uh, through the public uh, narrative. Um, the contemporary narrative that a lot of people, that's what they watch, you know, that's what they believe in. Uh, what percentage, I don't know. To defame 
discredit. And that's all this is because there's no legal proceeding they can take against him. I mean, even if they take away his license, he's a media figure and he's not going to, I'm sure that's where he's, I'm sure his financing is coming from now. And, and all, this is going to bring like the Streisand effect, in my opinion, to him, where he's even going to get more loyal followers, just like it did for Alex Jones. Huge Streisand effect for his loyal followers, because anyone who's a loyal follower, Alex Jones, isn't going to buy into this, uh, what would happen in uh, Corrupticate in Texas. Um, and anyone takes the time to watch the FOIA hearings and watch uh, Robert Barnes' analysis, a uh, constitutional and defense attorney who went to Yale, and Judge Napolitano, uh, knows that when this gets to federal court, it'll all go to the wayside. And um, it has to, uh, unless they're going to rewrite federal case law, which I highly doubt. You know, we'll see. But um, we have an FBI agent who got a $90 million settlement for claiming he had his feelings hurt. What? $90 million, yet the FBI made no arrest of anyone allegedly harassing or threatening this person. None. And then you have zero arrests of anyone allegedly going in the flesh to any reported parent's house in Newtown. Not one arrest of someone allegedly going there and harassing, trespassing, or threatening. Not one. How do you build a case of emotional duress when there are zero arrests, let alone any convictions, of someone physically doing what is alleged happened? So you have to first prove malice and defamation. You have to prove Alex Jones, Dave DeBondi, David Knight had intent of malice. That's impossible to prove when they're covering this matter with the FOIA hearings, which they televised. You you know, and then the Wolfgang Halbig, Florida State Trooper, retired Florida State Trooper, retired principal, retired customs agent in his retirement, investigating to improve school safety because he'd been hired by multiple school districts as a consultant in the past, nationally. He was the complainant of bringing the FOIA hearing. Him and his attorney, Kay Wilson. But none of these call-in hosts, I shouldn't speak for Sheila. We have, I've DM'd her. We've discussed it that way. Everybody's afraid to discuss it. Why? Because they saw this legal political theater, which should have been under statute, immediately removed to federal court and dropped and dismissed petition for that. I don't know why that didn't happen. But this will go through its process. And not a lot of people have the money of Alex Jones to hire law firms to fight this type of lawfare. This should all be illegal. And uh, yet, this is what happened. Um, uh, Wolfgang Hobbig was illegally arrested in Florida, at 1.30 in the morning, Woken, I've talked to Wolfgang personally twice for over 25 minutes per, about 25 minutes per call. That's my recollection. He even cited one call. Oh, we've been on the phone 25 minutes. We'll talk again. So, and I've, we, I've discussed this at length with him. That's a total of, uh, uh, you know, 50 minutes. This is within the last month and a half, two months I talked to Wolfgang. 
And when the reported parents sued him in Florida and the goods judge there said, of course, you're entitled to discovery, unlike Connecticut and Texas and the Alice Jones matter. The reported uh, plaintiffs, I say reported because that's how I like to refer to that matter. The reported plaintiffs and legal counsel dropped the lawsuit the day before a deposition hearing. They dropped it against Wolfgang. The police arrest was completely illegal. That got dismissed. These are huge red flags. And Wolfgang told me he was named in the lawsuit, in the Alice Jones lawsuit, by parents, uh, reported parents' attorneys. And he simply told me, he goes, well, I told Norm Pattis, which is Alice Jones' attorney, and I'm familiar with Norman Pattis because I tried to work with one of his uh, lawyers on a matter uh, who wanted to work with me, but Norm put the kibosh on it, a former public defender from GA2 courthouse. And, um, and so now that he was working, uh, this attorney for Norm, he was like, yeah, yeah, send me information, Bill. You know, I'm really interested. Well, Norm put the kibosh on that. So I have a little history with Norm Pattis. Well, anyway, so going back to Wolfgang Albig. Wolfgang told me, he said, well, I just told Norm Pattis, AJ's attorney, who to depose. First of all, depose him, uh, Wolfgang. And then those who violated subpoena, who were civil servants of the town of Newtown and the state. He said, just let's do it. Guess what? He never heard another word, Wolfgang, from AJ's attorney or from plaintiff's attorney, nothing. It all got dropped. Wow. Well, so you have what's called, what I call a cover-up. Because if I were, now, now, maybe the judge wouldn't allow that evidence for whatever reason, the claim was that due to allegedly Alice Jones not complying with subpoena for uh, financial docs, which attorney Robert Barnes on Viva Free, that platform with Viva, the attorney there, said they, they complied with their contention that they complied with subpoena. What, what specificity, what exact document was not received? It couldn't be named because they, they, According, nobody knows what those documents would be, those financials, but the judge decided, the judge, that they, they violated subpoena. And so it went to default judgment. Never went on the matters of the case, the facts and the matters of the case before a jury. And if anybody cares at all about due process, that should never happen. It violates multiple uh, due process uh, rights and amendments, you know, and and uh, fifth, sixth, and seventh amendments of due process. Uh, you're you're right, uh, you know. Uh, first of all, to bring motions in your own defense and present evidence and to confront witnesses and. Uh, uh, you know, if it's over a $20 dispute for it to be dis all the material aspects of the case to be decided before a jury, not to have a judge set it all aside 
under default, her claim of default judgment, which ends up being what's called a civil death penalty clause, meaning your rights are then stripped. Completely stripped. And so Alex Jones was put in a position to where he couldn't testify and argue with the judge because the judge said she'd find him for contempt if he did take the stand and, and state his truth. He couldn't even state what his truth was. Not to mention, you had Wolfgang waiting in the rings. You had James H. Fetzer, a U.S. Marine Corps retired ballistics and weapons expert officer, James H. Fetzer, 30-year philosophy professor, who met with and has covered this and met with Wolfgang in uh, Connecticut. And then you have James Tracy, head of Florida, uh, Florida Atlantic University, uh, a media and ethics tenured professor. These are Mary Maxwell, PhD, LLP. Yeah, a lot of people questioning this narrative and what was going on. How, you know, how this ever went to default judgment. And the death penalty, civil death penalty clause of losing your civil rights if, if you're, you know, a defendant it is grounds for appeal. And that's what we're going to see, according to Judge Napolitano and Robert Barnes. Again, I'm not just pulling this out of my own experience. It's been validated by these other people who have big platforms and law degrees and et cetera, and have set the bench. So I'm not off the mark here, you know. And uh, so what did we witness? You know, absolute, I don't know what else to call it, other than what it clearly appears to be political, as Judge Napolitano cites, the judges here, it's political. The judges are appointed by the governor in this state. Then every eight years, they come up for to be reinstated. And the way that works is, there are legislative hearings every eight years on the judges when the time comes up, you know, depending on when they were appointed by the governor, of course, they don't all come up at the same time. And uh, during that period, eight year period, uh, 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 citizens can file complaints with the House Judiciary Committee, which I did every time I wrote a motion to recuse a judge based on the law rule book, I filed it with the House, with the court and the House Judiciary Committee. And uh, then the legislature can vote on, it's up to them to vote on whether a judge is to be reinstated. So it is a political process because these legislators want to get reelected. And so their votes, people pay attention to their votes, you see. So it becomes a political issue. And we had a big turnover of judges in the Milford Courthouse. I can't take, I mean... I filed lawsuits. I've, I've filed motions to recuse judges. I filed peremptory challenges to judicial authority and the criminal, civil, housing, probate, family. And Judge Emans was never reinstated to the bench. She recused herself. And I'm not saying this to boast. I'm telling people you can fight back. And unlike Peter Marks, who discourages people from filing motions to recuse judges because of the alleged retaliation, he says will happen according to people he knows and judges. That's not a reason to cower. Patriots do not cower to corrupt judges. Period. You file those motions to recuse them. 
peremptory challenges to their authority, send them to the House Judiciary Committee. If we don't do it, who is? Who is if we don't? And who's going to file lawsuits and fight them? You're not going to get attorneys to do it because it's a big club, as Jordan Carlin says, and we're not in it. So you got to be pro se. You got to do it yourself. A lot of people don't have the time. I did. Now I'm disabled. I can't get to court anymore. I withdraw all my lawsuits without prejudice. There's no double jeopardy. I never lost an arguable motion in front of Judge Stevens to strike. Later non-suit, later summary judgment, which Alex Jones' attorneys lost. I never lost a summary judgment argument versus 10 law firms. Three law firms I sued directly, and the rest representing defendants in my civil suits. That's not hyperbole. That happened, and eventually, the Attorney General of New York sent me a thank you letter for assisting in her investigation, Letitia James, when she is the only Attorney General in this country to sue the Catholic Church for failure to protect children and financial improprieties. And then the DOJ Task Force on Corruption indicted Joe Castellano, the CPA in my father's probate matter for fraud and potency scheme, and he went to jail. So I got a good record. So right then they stopped arresting me. But it took a couple of years for those cases to come through, those higher investigations from bigger, more powerful legal entities of the state, of the federal U.S. attorneys and the Attorney General of New York. In the meantime, they railroaded me here and weaponized psychiatry. And Donald Trump's DOJ cut cut the head off of the task force on corruption. He fired Deidre Daly, my direct contact. And I was, U.S. attorneys used to transfer me right into her voicemail. And I was told I was going to be meeting with her. She did then indict and convict Joe Castellano. And again, when people are corrupt, and not just corrupt with me, they're corrupt systemically. And we had meeting Gonzalez on the House Judiciary Committee, who I sent all my material to, along with the DOJ. And she acted, there's an article which somehow people find, which I don't understand. If people are going to question me, and I send them direct messages of these articles in the public domain with some text to explain, what's the issue? If you're going to be a speaker, and if you're going to be a host, and you have the app, then it's in the public domain. I don't know what your time uh, time uh, zone is. There's people in Switzerland in the app. There's people all over the world in the app. And it's not for me to know. It's in the. It's like an email in the public domain. If you're if if you're with an organization, your email is in the public domain. You get email any time of the day or night. The thing to do is to snooze that that uh, app in this matter, or you know, uh, silence notifications on certain things. And, uh, you know, so you're not disturbed if you need your cell phone on at night because you may get an emergency call from a loved one or something. But that's 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 clearly, uh, you know, public knowledge for people who have information in the public domain. And so, um, you know, you have a right as 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 your First Amendment right of free speech to contact people whose emails in the public domain, uh, an organization, uh, uh, an advocacy group, and you can send an email any time of the day or night you want. 
or even leave a message at their business place any time of the day. And that's why they have answering machines. You're not calling their home. You don't have their home. That's not in the public domain. Of course not. I'm not doxing people trying to contact their home. Never been charged with that. I've got every criminal case dropped. So I have federal subject matter jurisdiction for all cases, but I can't physically get the court anymore. And the Access to Justice Commission should have assigned me attorneys several years ago, according to state statutes, and wouldn't. Judge Khan is a Fordham alumni. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And the... Uh, people in call has heard this all over again and again, but the point I'm trying to make is corruption is systemic and systematic and uh, runs through the judicial, legislative, executive branches, and the fourth branch, which is completely co-opted. So, um, you know, uh, when if, if we can't hold William Barr accountable and Trump for dr dropping the investigation to the Catholic Church one month after Letitia sued them. She sued the Buffalo Diocese for failure to protect children and financial improprieties in November 2020. And the Trump administration basically put the DOJ investigation on ice, citing statute limitations issues. The statutes are different in every state. They're as low as two years and up to no statute for the sexual abuse of a minor in Connecticut. Two years, I think it's Missouri, five years, New York. They could have been amended, some of them, last I checked. Zero statute in Connecticut for um, minors, uh, 30 years for young adults, and 20 years for adults. What should have happened there, all the statutes should have been amended to be uniform. And the UN report on the Vatican cites there should be no statute limitations in these matters. So when the Trump eviscerates that, and pretty much puts the investigation on ice, William Barr, the Trump administration. I got a huge issue with that. In addition, Bishop Malone was being sued by Letitia James. I had a Judge Malone sign a warrant for my arrest here. It looked exactly like him. Could be his brother or cousin, for all I know. When I was reporting these crimes, another connection, the Malone connection. No one will investigate. I can't get a state's attorney to work on my behalf, not even the inspector general, Robert Devlin, another former U.S. attorney. They're all in cahoots, covering up for the predators of the Catholic Church, the Mormon Church, 33 states in this country where they don't even have to report sex crimes to church. Even now. And then... For Trump to eviscerate the DOJ task force on corruption, I was I was going from direct communication with Deidre and told by staff attorneys I was going to be meeting with her to he fired her. And then, bang, I'm told to stop calling. I'm like, what? The FBI told me to stop calling. They were part of the task force on corruption. You can't clean up a colonial state founded you know, original founding state, home of the Constitution, the Constitution state, home of the American Bar Association, Yale, Harvard, home of the Knights of Columbus, Tower and the Haven for the whole country. You can't clean that up in two years. You need ongoing active investigations because these are generational, in embedded 
uh, interbred, literally, connections of societal corruption. And what, what happened when I drove to the DOJ, after they told me to stop calling, they refused to meet with me. The judges I reported to them, Judge Emans was a former assistant U.S. attorney, not reinstated to the bench, who recused herself. I had the motion to recuse that was signed and stamped from the courthouse in hand. Judge Iannotti, administrative judge, former U.S. attorney, was transferred to Waterbury. These are former U.S. attorneys that are all part of the corruption and cover-up here in Corrupticate. Amina Gonzalez acted against five judges. We had Judge Malone was retired. Judge Jacobs was brought into family. Judge Emans retired. They never voted on her non-reinstatement. Judge Ronan regulated to simply uh, arraignments, and I'm sure retired by now. They're all elderly judges, all part of the corrupt system. And you can find that Amina Gonzalez on a judicial accountability article. You know what happened when Trump got elected? She got removed from the House Judiciary Committee. Now we have Steve Stashem, who's worth a snowball in hell. Won't do shit. So that's that's my own personal experience here, which I've cited many times in my own rooms. And I think I have a right to get a little upset when there's somebody who insists on being a Trump supporter who's minimizing that experience. It's not about my individual cases. It's about the task force on corruption and the, the DOJ investigation of the Catholic Church, and it should be the Mormon Church as well. If we want to stop sex trafficking, we got to start there, in my opinion. Because they have canon laws that enable, that are impeachable, that violate federal crime statutes that would take down this church uh, based on violations of, of federal statutes and, and crime statutes and mandatory reporting requirements, which they defy. And nothing happens. And Joe Rogan's been reporting on this in the last several months. You could check his comments on the Catholic Church. He's like, where's the outrage? Where's the outrage? I have it, and I stuck my neck out and got arrested three times exposing it and incarcerated two months illegally, pre-trial, never went to trial, every case dropped. I have the outrage. And so if I lose my patience with people occasionally, I'm human. That's my position. I don't know who's been through what I've been through trying to expose the Catholic Church, the probate courts, hey, anybody here cares a lot? I care a lot, the Netflix film. I had a judge attempt to get me involuntarily conserved on the Advanced Litigation Committee, the one I was exposing for his corruption, Hiller, who tried to get me involved, signed a guardian and conservator, lawyers that he assigned to involuntarily conserve me. You know, that's how diabolical it can get. And I read the probate law rulebook from front to back, 197 pages, best my recollection at the time. And I went in with all my individual letters from my doctors and my bank statements. 
and showing I kept my bank accounts and my doctor's appointments. And my, I went in with three file boxes, one also being a summary of my civil suits I was fighting. And uh, the judge threw it out, Judge Hoyle Jr., in less than 10 minutes. He looked at the two attorneys assigned by the other judge. And I started talking to the judge. I said, well, judge, I said, I got three file boxes here. I've got letters from doctors. I got this, that, the other thing. Chris Donlin, the attorney, met me at the courthouse after violating all his requirements to represent me, meet with me, subpoena people on my defense. He did nothing. He said, I'm, they all said they're going to do Judge Arthur a favor. Arthur Hiller. Oh, mob talk. I said, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Is someone at the door? Uh, not the bathroom door. Okay. And so um, I was like, we'll see how that goes. I did my homework. Knowledge is power. And I got Judge Hall Jr. to throw that out in 10 minutes. Chris Donlin came in like a puppy dog. I said, Chris, first thing I'm going to do is have this judge have you removed. And then I'm going to sue you like I'm suing the other three law firms I'm suing. He was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Let's talk. What do you got? Show me the letters. You know, so he gave the opening statement. I took it from there. And Al Timage, the assigned guardian, didn't say a peep. And Hoyle Jr. just looked at the two of them and said, there's no evidence to involuntarily conserve this man. He says, dismissed. Honest judge, finally. But had I not read the probate law rulebook for conservators, and I mentioned these things, people say, oh, you love to talk about yourself. You're talking to the ether. I'm, you know, the power of one. I don't know who may hear this who might say, holy smokes, I had that happen to me, my grandpa, my grandma, we got into a dispute between me and other siblings, they assigned a guardian conservator, next thing you know, grandma's in a, in a nursing home facility, then we go before the judge, and they assigned a fiduciary, a, a executor, and then we got, they got three lawyers involved milking your estate at that point, all billing by the hour. And then you have the court-appointed CPA who ended up in prison, in my case. But now you got four people billing. And there goes your inheritance. I still don't know where my father's inheritance is. Because when I filed civil suits and started suing people, I got arrested in the courthouse. Falsely. So, you know, this is what it's like. And I'm human. And, uh, you know, if someone wants to stick up for Trump when he did all that and he runs on a reform platform, just like Obama, they're all puppets. It's a uniparty, Jimmy Dore. It's an oligarchy. It's a kleptocracy. It's a plutocracy. It's a corruptoopoly, whatever you want to call it. There's minor differences, but for the most part, follow the money. Consider Unlimited Hangout, Whitney Webb. With the exception of the PBD, Patrick, I forget the guy's middle and last name, where she kind of backpedals a bit and does a soft shoe on Trump, which I was shocked considering her prior videos with Ryan Christen and Derek uh, Bros in her book. I'm like, what happened? And even Jenny said to me, I think probably Trump threatened to sue her, Bill. She could see it. I said, well, maybe he did. And sue the publisher. 
But that doesn't mean he's, he's you know, the, 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 the book or the account of uh, his connections with Epstein. What did he say, Epstein? That he was financed by three. Trump, uh, let's see, Gates, and Wexner. And you had the Rothschild Bank, who bailed out Trump in a big bankruptcy, and Deutsche Bank, who bailed him out several times. And Robert Maxwell and the connections of uh, Roy Cohen, Trump's uh, mentor, who Trump called as many, according to Whitney Webb, as uh, you know, 10, 12, 15 times a day, supposedly. Uh, you know, so uh, I'll tell you what, uh, there's a racketeering case there. Follow the money. Whether or not there are allegations, first of all, Trump admits grabbing women, you know where. That's a class D felony. And he admits, like, like it's a, you know, locker room talk. Well, I'll tell you what, I grew up in locker rooms. High school, college, NFL, CFL. First of all, I never heard that kind of talk in a locker room, almost never, nothing like that. No boasting about doing such a thing, a sexual assault. People, I never heard that. And that doesn't, that's not exculpatory. That's indictful. It's in the public domain. William, but you don't have, that. you need a victim for that. If he would have said, you know no. what, I grabbed so-and-so right in the twat, then, then, then yeah, being it recorded in a public place, they could have indicted him on something. But he didn't say, he just said, I like to grab women on the pussy. Well, what fucking man in the right mind doesn't like grabbing a woman? No, that's not the context. He said when you have money, you can... No, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Because, look, even the poorest man could get pussy. And that could be locker room talk. I mean, I've had a, a lot of locker room talks where we talk shit, you know? I even had locker room talk when... We're, 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 hold on. Let me finish. Hold on. The people who bring civil suits against him settle with gag orders, just like the church. You know it and I know it. This is a common tactic used where because it's he said she said so even bill cosby got out of prison after all those women claimed that it happened and da costa who was alice da costa who was trump's labor secretary who's supposed to head uh investigating uh sex uh trafficking uh said he was told uh when he was uh prosecuted in florida to go easy on epstein because he was it was all part of the um uh, uh okay but know. like like for example Right now, I don't know if you noticed, I think it was last month, I could be wrong. They just let go, uh, based on uh, on uh, mental capacity, uh, porn star Ron Jeremy. And he had, he had I don't know, 30-something women uh, that were going after him. Call it Me Too, whatever. I, I don't believe Me Too in pornography, okay? Let's get that straight. There's never Me Too in pornography. It's, it's like an oxymoronic. That's like like the biggest whore coming to say, well, he didn't take me down the aisle at the church. That's bullshit. You're a whore, you know? And so so personally, when I say I give my opinion before I, I, I go further, I don't believe in the Me Too and pornography. There's no such thing because if they had sex many times and usually, usually they keep each other's number when they want to have sex, it's open door policy usually, okay? So pornography should always be dealt much different light. Um, with that said, they caught Ron Jeremy. They did medical evaluation, psychological, all that shit. And they found him to be medical, medically, uh, psychologically incapacitated. 
Why? Because he suffers from d dementia now. And it's not too far off because he's in his 70s, around there, right? He had 30-something women, I think, if I'm right, that were accusing him. I could be wrong on the number. And he was looking at 300 years. And they let him go because he, he doesn't have the me mental fa faculty to, to, to fight the case. Tell me if you don't get off like, come on. I mean, all you got to do is hire, hire, and he probably had the money and friends, especially being a Jew, and nothing against Jew or anything for Heidi or any of the shit. So please don't bring that up. Uh, regarding, he could have had Jewish uh, attorneys, Jewish psychiatrists, because they all work together. You know, he's a Jew, right? American Jew. And he could have just got somebody to come in, a couple of doctors, well, you know, in the community, and they could have seen him and watched over him and said, you know what, we're just going to get you on, you're all messed up in the brain. That's it. You're no different than, than Biden right now, whether true or not. The thing is, he got clean, he got away clean. Nobody looks into those shit, right? Honestly. Look at, the, look at the Pope. Look at the bishops. Look at the cardinals. They're all part of an organization. And, and nobody looks into them. Yeah, and you're right. And then this, we have a multi-tiered justice system. Uh, their canon laws, Crimean solicitation, completely impeach them. No question. I, I still think I still think that 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 the the thing with the Vatican is a little bit much different. Even though it holds statehood, I think that's wrong. You're either a religious body, but you cannot be statehood. But who gave them statehood? That was in the United Nations, the the, the nation of Rome. That's wrong. It has its own currency, it has its own policing. Even if it's a minuscule little place, right? Within Florence, right? Is it Florence or Rome? What other things? Rome. So I, I I personally think it's wrong to, to that they that they give gave them power. They did it on purpose. So anytime they have a priest that goes anywhere in the world, they he has immediate immunity as a diplomat yes well, that's yeah, wrong too yeah now there was you know re regarding donald trump there was a 13 year old who made those allegations a lawsuit was filed and she went away it doesn't mean that it wasn't true chances don't know what a non-disclosure agreement may have been uh, you had well, yeah also i mean michael jack michael jackson had one they almost right. caught him the second time but they hadn't changed the laws at santa barbara uh, Prince, uh, was it Prince Andrew? He he bought his client. I mean, this is common among those circles. Like I said, Absolutely. when you got the money, you'll pay for them. Back in the day, it was allowed. You got away clean. It wasn't a problem. Usually, the guy had several women, you know, and he used to put his older women away in another chateau, whatever you want to call it, and keep the younger one to bang. It's it's sad that that's come it's come down to that. But perhaps, you know, is it going to fully stop? I hardly doubt it, to be honestly, William. Why? Because if you have a John, you have a prostitute. If, if there's, it's like Mexico tells the United States, well, you stop consuming so much fucking drugs. I'll stop consuming so much drugs and, and I'll stop selling. Well, that's just an excuse. But, but it makes a lot of sense. You cannot sell drugs if you don't have consumers, right? You need a, a list of consumers. That's right. You need a lot that's of people. Right. Yeah. So as long as there's there's the sugar mama and the sugar baby or the sugar daddy and the sugar baby, there's always going to be this kind of unfortunate. And it's always gone through. It's, it's actually convenient to a lot of people. Uh, whether you like it or not, I like it, or whether morally we were agree or don't, uh, there, it's always going to exist, unfortunately. Well, there's different levels. I mean, you have women, girls who fully, college students, young girls who make a decision 
and there are those that do that to be, you know, to to be there for sugar daddies. And that's well reported on. They're, they're, these aren't victims. These are women who decide to be escorts. Do you follow me? That happens. It, no question that happens. Um, there's even been, you can see stuff on YouTube about it. You know, they're, they're, they're like totally good with it. This is the way I'm making my money, you know. Um, uh, and then there's sex trafficking where there's people taken advantage of um, and captured and abducted and all kinds of heinous things. Uh, demonic ritual abuse. Oh, it's all, it goes the whole spectrum, obviously. Um, the the you know, um, I, I would recommend anybody considering Whitney Webb's work. Uh, there's a Bishute, uh, hashtag Bishute Whitney Webb, which you can find, uh, using, uh, the Yandex browser easily without a paywall. Also, Rumble, you can get into without a paywall just by using Yandex as a browser. There are videos that people make that, um, are, require membership, you know, things that are more in depth or that are more current. And so, you know, there, there, there are those, uh, even, uh, Garland Nixon, who does YouTube, does Rockfin, but not all his work is behind a paywall. It's more international affairs regarding Ukraine and Russia. And, uh, of course, that whole matter, that's a whole nother thing. We're looking into Colonel Salente, Colonel McGregor, um, you know, uh, Judge Napolitano, who hosts those people. Um, uh, Trends Journal, their whole take on, uh, the Maidan coup, the Minsk Accords, uh, the Parashenko saying they never intended the Ukraine, former president of honoring Minsk. Um, you know, where we are today with that, how is it escalating? Why is this all happening? Uh, right back to, uh, the agreement between Gorbachev and Reagan that NATO would not expand one each inch east of East Germany's border. And of course, they've done that by what, 14, I think it is, nation states now. I, that, and they're pushing for a couple more. So if you can imagine that happening in our hemisphere, in Canada and Central America, how we'd react. Um, and not to mention Burisma, the biolabs, um, that whole corrupt connection. Uh, but this is, you know, interesting, Whitney Webb talks about, you know, we've all heard Operation uh, Mockingbird and such. Now these these um, CIA, FBI, uh, uh, these people are blatantly introduced as, as who they are by the mainstream media. Like, you know, there's, it's not like covert in any way. And uh, then there's Operation Underworld that she describes along with the National Crime Syndicate which is uh, Italian mafia, she describes it. And I'm Italian. Those aren't my people, the mafia. You know, the Italian mafia, the Jewish mafia, she describes. Uh, MI6, SIS, British intelligence, Mossad, Israeli intelligence, and CIA, FBI, U.S. intelligence, all working together. And that's, you could study. Um, we're, we're, this world is run by criminals. You know what I mean? Period. And, um, you know, the World Economic Forum being the face of that, um, in my opinion. And uh, I, I contend this goes along with the Gospels. A lot of people on calling are atheists and get upset when I mention the Gospels, but I'll speak the Gospels. 
because it's truth to me, and I think it holds true. Ephesians 6, 12 to 13, the battle is not against the flesh and blood, but against the principalities and powers of the rulers of the darkness of this world, the spiritual wickedness in high places and in heavenly realms, the spiritual wickedness that rules this world. Wherefore, put on the full armor of God, so that in the midst of the battle you may stand, so in the end you will stand. And Jesus Christ is not of this world. He told us that. He told us only those willing to pick up their cross and bear the weight of the cross of this world and follow him are worthy to follow him into heaven, meaning following what? The Via de la Rosa, the road of suffering. You will be persecuted, he said. They hated me before they'll hate you. You will be persecuted if you pick up your cross, wherever your world and your cross is. Everybody's got a different cross to bear um, in their circumstance. You know what I mean? Their life circumstance, crosses. And uh, we will be persecuted and metaphorically crucified. Um, and that is the road to salvation. Not the prosperity gospel. As Jesus said, what is a profit of man to gain the riches of the entire world and sell his soul? Um, and, uh, so these all will be judged. And, uh, and one thing I'd like to say to the atheists in Colin, you can talk Marx, doesn't upset me. You can talk Lenny, talk anything you want, talk any religion you want. But I've had people start, they like to use the F word in what I call the side swipes. Next thing you know, the F bombs start coming in. And I put up with this for six months straight of people sideswining, you know, where they're not directly saying directly to me, blankety blank, although I did have that happen. But a lot of, you know, passive aggressive, aggressive uh, uh, comments. And, you know, at one point I got fed up with it. And I said, you know what? I've served this country. I've worked on federal Superfund sites. I've worked on sites where Marines got blown up doing an unexploded ordinance removal. After the Marines at Cap Pendleton died, uh, there were two instances of Marines getting blown up, once before Shaw had the contract and then after, doing the work I was doing. And then I fought my lawsuits and I stepped forward and I did everything I did that I've already covered. And so... Uh, I have a right to stand in, in that truth. And at some point, I'm Italian and I grew up in locker rooms. Okay, you want to hear a locker room talk? I can dish it out too. To men and women. I've heard it all. And so, you know, if someone wants to give it out, then be willing to take it and stop crying about it. That's my position. Now, I don't normally go there, and I try not to do that. But I never said I was perfect, nor am I trying to monetize what I do, nor am I paid, not sponsored. And nobody says I have to take someone's verbal abuse, and then finally, when I give it back, Boy, did I hear a lot of whining. Even women who said it to me. They, you, you want to start? 
A fight? Okay. So, um, at any rate, at this point, there's not much more to say. We don't have any new callers. Um, oh, we do have, uh, oh, look, we have somebody in the chat. We lost Vlad. Um, BX Blues. Hey, brother. Amen. And another thing, when we're reporting crimes and we're angry, it's called righteous indignation. And we're exposing the corruption. And especially when you're talking about the sex abuse of those in power. Then if we're dropping some F-bombs, we're calling it out. Nobody says we have to be polite calling out their sex abuse and their uh, financial fraud and their embezzlement. Those are the crimes, not us dropping some F-bombs when we're angry and calling them out for how they're screwing us. And yet I got arrested four times illegally in this corrupt state, not even for doing that, just for exposing it. And then filing lawsuits to expose it and litigate it. So, uh, of course, that all blew up in their face eventually. But, amen, brother. Amen. Okay, Vlad, talk to you later. Um, so, you know, I would like to have a presidential candidate, one that doesn't back the vaccine. Those are crimes against humanity, and it's time for some reconciliation there and some accounting. But I'd like to have a presidential candidate who was not controlled by Big Pharma and his rich friends, whether it's Biden or Trump or anybody. Now, I don't know enough about uh, uh, Ron DeSantis's politics overall. I don't. I only know what he's doing with Joseph Latipo, and I applaud that, and what Ron Johnson is doing in Wisconsin. Um, I got a phone call. Hang on a second. I don't recognize this. Oh, that's garbage. That's my other phone. Um, so uh, I, I don't know. You know, who is the candidate? Who's coming up? Tulsi Gabbard? She's become independent now? Maybe. I don't know. Who's she going to run with? As an independent candidate, we need somebody strong, somebody people can recognize. Jesse Ventura, I think he's over the hill personally, and he was pro-jab and no. He interviewed Rima Leibo, Dr. Rima Leibo in 2009. She predicted all this, by the way. Dr. Rima Leibo, and who introduced her to uh, uh, Jesse was Alex Jones. That's the beginning of the program. Alex Jones has been right about way more things than legacy media, right? Is he right about the Bilderberg Group, about the World Economic Forum, about Bohemian Grove? He's been right about this all along. Now, I don't watch Alex Jones on the regular because there's so many other platforms that I watch and listen to. I just, you know, there's only so much I can listen to. But they're all reporting the same, the people I listen to, the same things on the Ukraine war, on the you know, big pharma, on big tech, on uh, big oil and gas. And uh, boy, the pollution around this world, 
what they do is serious crimes against humanity, and they still do it. Whether you believe in anthropogenic climate effects of uh, the you know human induced climate change or not, there's still the issue of all the other gases and the pollution of using petrochemicals. When they have buried, redacted, just did a piece, Clayton and Natalie Morris on suppressed technologies. They just I was just talking about this in a call-in, and then a day later, it just pure fluke coincidence, I'm sure, redacted, did a whole thing on suppressed technology for the last 100, 120 years. And who's been repressing the technologies, those technologies of Nikola Tesla, of hydrothermal carbonization, Friedrich um, uh, Burgos, 1913, just two examples of the hemp car, Henry Ford, of the Tucker, of uh, Stanley Meyer's water car. Who's been repressing, oppressing, suppressing those technologies? Oh, we know who. The people stand to lose money. So there we have it. Those are the people who are the young global leaders not all of them, but many of them. Some have dropped out, like Tulsi. He, she was a young global leader graduate. She saw it for what it was of the WEF. I can't account for all the rest. I just know that. Putin claims to be now at odds with the WEF, um, World Economic Forum, and is fighting back against uh, that. Um, and, of course, we have the BRICS nations, Brazil, Russia, India, China, uh, South Africa, and now say, uh, Saudi Arabia, one of our allies, the petrodollar. Um, and uh, you also have uh, Turkey, one of our allies as well. Uh, you know, if the petrodollar falls, you know, because we don't have a gold-backed currency any longer since Nixon and the agreement he had with Saudi Arabia on the petrodollar, um, boy, you're going to see it tumble in this in this country. I don't think they're going to allow it to happen. Uh, we had the Future Investment Initiative, which took place in Riyadh uh, about a month and a half ago. I can't remember the exact date for about a week, where you had the Western European bankers, basically London bankers, meeting uh, in Riyadh with the Saudi family. So there's a lot going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. And I don't, you know, I like the movie Network uh, and the scene on the corporation and Matt as hell, not going to take it anymore. Bailey, I think it's a Bailey. Mr. Beal, Mr. Beal, the reporter. That's very prescient. Of course, it was happening then too, but very prescient. And the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, uh, when you have uh, the family and uh uh, building and loan, Jimmy Stewart, Donna Reed versus uh, uh, Potter and uh, uh, the actor portraying Potter. Um, it'll come to me if I keep talking. Um, you had Potter, Pottersville. You had Clarence the Angel and Lyle Barrymore, the actor. I mean, those are all classics. Um, they really tell the story. Um, so uh, it looks like Sheila's not coming back in. Hope she's okay. Very strange. Um, you know, I'm sure uh, 
I have to give a disclaimer, of course. This, these are my thoughts, obviously, and my beliefs under freedom of speech laws. Things of national concern in the news, my opinion, based on things in the public domain. That's all you have to say. And your freedom of speech, your federal free speech, case laws upheld. If someone sues you in any state for doing something like this, just motion through the court as a defendant to remove the case to federal under Brandenburg versus Ohio, New York Times versus Sullivan, and Snyder versus Phelps. And if they don't do it, then it's grounds for an appeal. Now, they can you can do that yourself. And or you can hire an attorney if you have the money. And that's exactly what should have happened in the Alice Jones case. And there's statutes limitation, which, you know, which need to be upheld and not a, a, a retroactive statute, which doesn't even fit of a seven-year extension when Alice Jones was not evading service just because he was in Texas, when any marshal, and I, I've, I've served people out of state. So that's all nonsense. That, that's, that's all theater. And did you notice that next thing you know, Yavaldi was completely out of the news. Something that happened 10 years before it takes the news cycle. And now all of a sudden, what happened with Yavaldi? How did that happen? I don't believe that there were 350 cops who were cowards or 300 plus or 200 plus until who showed up. Customs agents, I forget who. I don't believe that. The Smith Modernization Act of 2012 all forms of media can be used by the State Department to produce propaganda. I'm sorry. I know if I was a cop on the scene, I, I would have been barging through that door, guns ablaze and trying to take out that shooter. Whether I had a, a bulletproof shield or not, because I knew I couldn't sleep with myself or live with myself for a moment if I hadn't tried. And I'm convinced there are other police officers of the same mold and make the idea here's let me tell you something i've commended a lot of good cops in my every single one of my criminal cases I've, there were good cops who wouldn't make bad arrests who knew the story and took my complaints and wouldn't make bad arrests and you one way to get a criminal case drop is you commend the good cops you make your citizens complaints and then you complain against the bad you make your commendations and that puts the whole internal in a double bind and that that's that's a you use that you force your public defender to bring forward evidence that the prosecutor has disclosure requirements and motions for disclosure by public defenders for all inculpatory, sculptory evidence. You got to learn a little bit about the process. You could take a nolly if you want. I never did. I never took a plea bargain. So, you know, there's a process. There's a process to fight off an attempt to have him voluntarily conserve, I've touched on. There's a process to extend. I couldn't beat the hotel industry in the while I was getting brain MRIs, even though they violated contract. Bad faith, breach of contract, FTC violations, Federal Trade Commission violations, Connecticut Unfair Trade Practices Act violations. You got federal and state violations, HUD violations. Fair Housing Act violations, bad faith breach of contract, did I say that? Yeah. Um, full tenant right violations, ADA accommodation, reasonable accommodation violations. Hotel industry is too strong. 
didn't matter. Courts are too corrupt. But I extended my stay, first time four months fighting the corruption, filing an answer. If you get a, if you get served with a uh, attempt to have you eviction, an eviction service, file an answer, file a response. Because then the court has to schedule a hearing. Scheduling could take weeks or longer, depending on how backlogged they are. You don't have to run away. You're going to have a mediation process with a court-appointed mediator. You're not going to go before a judge immediately. And if you have evidence your landlord has violated contract, then bring it in. Photos, everything, whatever you need. Try to work with a mediator. If you're not happy with what they propose, then you go before the judge. Now, depending on who you're fighting, you can end up thrown under the bus. And then you can file a motion to open judgment, which I did in the second case. It took them 10 months to get me out of Hilton Hampton. 10 months. And under the doctrine of unclean hands, they couldn't come after me because they were fraudulent. When B of A tried, uh, the collection agency, Reuben and Rothman, agreed with me and sent that attempt right back to B of A legal. So you got to learn, you know, your rights some, and then you can fight. Knowledge is power. And so if you have a corrupt judge, file a motion to recuse a judge. If you have evidence he's been that way in prior cases for you in the courthouse, peremptory challenges to judicial, judicial authority, I should say, if he does that. And if he starts to violate the rule of law and uh, he's fraudulent, then you file a motion to recuse. And then, uh, which Peter Marks says, don't do. I totally object. Uh, what's the point of being in court if you're not going to call out the corruption and follow the motions? And then you can always do a motion to open judgment pursuant fraud on the court cause abuse of judicial discretion. So that's how it took 10 months to get me out of Hilton Hampton. And ultimately, the system was corrupt. I got evicted illegally, but I fought him for 10 months. That was worth 20 grand the clawback. And they never come after me for it. They didn't try and sue me for it because under the doctrine of unclean hands, they were fraudulent. And that would have just gone before another judge and we would have fought the fraud. They would not have prevailed in civil. It would have cost them more money to sue me in litigation because they knew I was damn good at what I was doing because I took them 10 months to get me out of their hotel. So if they wanted, I was like, sue me in civil. Let's roll, baby. Because with your legal fees, you'll lose that 20 grand over fivefold. Because I will file every motion I possibly can, which I did when I then sued them. They, you want to fight lawyers? Paper snow them with motions. Look them up in the law rule book. Paper snow them. That's what they do in law firm. Give it right back to them. If you're pro se, if you're within 125% of the poverty level like me, doesn't cost you a dollar. Just takes your time. Play hardball with them. That's what I did. Now, it's so corrupt, you see what they did. You're not necessarily going to come out uh, prevailing in all cases, but what you can do is claw back, and then you embarrass people by going public on them and not taking an NDA with Detcher Law out of New York, New York, for a board of trustees. I said, no, thanks. I'm going to keep exposing how corrupt you are. So I could have taken money, and I wouldn't. Anyway, I'm sure Sheila's going to edit out the majority of this. These are my 
Obviously, she's not here, but I'm taking the opportunity to state my piece. Charlie knows this with the app. So does David uh, Sachs and uh, Axel Erickson. They all know who I am and what I'm about. And I stand firm in my position. And I've DM'd them, Charlie, directly on all the matters regarding the Alex Jones case where his legal team failed him. I don't know, not understand what happened there. Or, and or, the judge, the judges are so corrupt, they just wouldn't hear anything. But still, it was up to Norm Pattis to immediately remove that case to federal court under free speech, federal subject matter jurisdiction, and the case laws, my opinion. Why couldn't get that done? You know, again, the media isn't covering it, honestly. And with the statute of limitations expired and the intent of the statutes. The other thing, it went under the Connecticut Unfair Trade Practices Act. That's how it got up to 1.4 million. That's preposterous. Connecticut uh, Consumer Protection Act and the Connecticut Unfair Trade Practices Act. That's how they blew through the statute of limitations on dollar amount on defamation and corruptica. Never been done before. Never been done, all grounds for appeal. Completely preposterous. And then if you're going to use CUTPA, then I contend there's an appellate case that's relevant, the state versus Nowacki, AC34577, where there's free speech when there's contractual dispute. AC34577, cut the Connecticut Unfair Trade Practices Act. I would use the appellate case, state versus Nowacki, to thwart that one as an affirmative defense. And simply say, it's my right to free speech if there's an implied written oral contract. Hey, any business uh, claim undercut by there has to be some contract implied at the very least. That should have been invoked and can be on the federal level because there is, um, when you go to federal court and you're fighting a case, there is diversity jurisdiction. Meaning you could, you're fighting the federal, based on federal, you know, case laws, but there's diversity jurisdiction where you're also going to bring in the state issues in the same proceeding. You don't have to have a separate proceeding. You see what I'm saying? By the way, do I sound incompetent to assist a public defender? I mean, so anyway, Sheila, thanks for, uh, Give me the time. And uh, I haven't said anything I, I haven't said in my own call-ins. Um, I've been doing this for months, six months, seven months now. No one has sued me. I know my rights. And I'll, I've sued law firms, and I had no trouble fighting in civil court against their corruption and the corrupt judges in this state. I mean, they could be corrupt as the day is long, but I'm, you know, I read the, uh, in the Milford courthouse, there's the uh, Gettysburg address at the war memorial and there are granite benches that surround that war memorial at the duck pond on West River street. 
And I would read the last phrases of the Gettysburg Address that are etched into that war memorial about how those men gave their last measure of devotion so that we, I'm paraphrasing, should give our devotion for for them, for their law, and for our our Constitution, and to stand up for our rights. There was a fellow who used to visit me occasionally, walking his dog. He was a retired veteran, a retired man who was a veteran. And he used to say to me, Keep doing what you're doing. I'm embarrassed. I fought and and I'm a veteran, he said, but I'm I'm embarrassed for our government right now. And I, I am. The Access to Justice Commission Pro Bono Working Group by statute should have assigned me attorneys. The Center for Family Justice, Justice Legal Center, they wouldn't. I'm disabled. I can't get to court. I've tried to get, uh, you know, probate courts to open up my case pursuant the uh, probate law rule books, sections 13.1, 13.2, clear and convincing evidence of fraud. Um, they won't. I've, you know, I, I'm just being stonewalled everywhere I turn. They're using this weaponizing of psychiatry to cover everything up. Class D felonies on the witness stand, perjury and criminal proceedings. And it all blew up in their face when Letitia James' investigation revealed everything I said was true, as did the DOJ and the Castellano and co. And I say co because there were four judges involved and everybody else, uh, from an executor to the two attempt two lawyers that have been voluntarily conserved, everybody. So nobody messes with me anymore. So I say hello to anyone who may be listening. Hi, Gregor. And uh, I don't know what to say, what's going to, how we're going to fight the systemic, systematic corruption on all levels. Uh, I, I don't know. I've done everything I possibly can. I, I can't do anything more in my physical condition. I need to have both hips replaced. I've got a ruptured disc, displaced vertebrae. I'm disabled. Um, you know, and I know this, after what they did to Donzinger in Federal and what they did in the movie Civil Action based on a true story on Woburg, Massachusetts, that John Travolta and was that Duvall? I think it was, it wasn't De Niro. It was Duvall. Yeah. Check that out. Civil action. Check out the YouTube clips on truth and the negotiation. The federal courts are no better than the state courts. So I made a decision. I wasn't going to take the uh, NDA from Detcher Law. And I just said to myself, well, you know what? Let's say I went to federal court and I was offered uh, settlements. They would all require non-disclosure agreements, every one of them, whether it was corrupt attorneys, they all have they all have insurance. Whether it was the hotel industry, they would all want to negotiate prior to discovery 
prior to depositions and interrogatories, which is when I was arrested, you know, for was going to be a third motion to open hearing, pursuing fraud on the court, abuse of judicial discretion. And then the judge uh, denied my motion, claiming my motion was an incongruent, unintelligible diatribe, four pages. Cover page, exhibit list, signed by the clerk who sat the hearing, an exhibit that she noted and described, and then an email that was related to a regional manager of Hilton Hampton, Brian Wismar. The survey reminder, the exact exhibit relevant to the case had been removed. That's not the exhibit I cross-examined people under and over, however you want to put it. The exhibit list cited the correct exhibit, and that exhibit was removed. And an email was in its place. That's how corrupt it is. And the exact exhibit, I cited a motion for correction. Well, then let's get the right, even the service center manager saw this. I'm like, let's get the right exhibit in back in the file. That corrupt judge denied a motion for correction. Then I went, okay, give me the legal grounds. Motion for clarification. Denial. Trooper Belize looked at all of this. And he wrote up a five-page report, no criminal activity by me. I spent nearly an hour and a half on the phone with him, Troop H. Our state prosecutors buried that for two illegal prosecutions. That's a matter of fact. That's when you hear about prosecutorial misconduct. People end up in prison and it takes the Innocence Project. Or now there's a fellow out of New York who went to prison until new DNA testing. I just saw a clip of him. I don't recall his name. But, you know, and he they're all backed up for years. These civil rights attorneys and organizations are backed up for years trying to fight prosecutorial misconduct in cases. This is the United States. This is a reality. If you're at the Innocence Project, if you, let's say you're in prison and there's five years left on your sentence, they won't even look at it. They are so backed up, they won't even look at it, Gregor. That's how backed up the Innocence Project is, Barry Sheck and his team. And they have... I, I don't know their backlog, but I remember seeing a, a piece on that, which you can search. I'm sure it's still on YouTube somewhere. They pulled out a file draw. They're just like <laughs> file draws full of backlog cases. This is how, as I said, we have the highest incarceration rate in the world of 650 to 700 per 100,000. China has 150. We have the largest penal colony in the world with nearly 25% of the world's incarcerated people with 4.3% of the population. 30% of the world's incarcerated women are in the United States with 4.3% of the population. And yet we're not ranked in the top states as far as, uh, you know, um, uh, how would you put it, uh, crime stats. No, we're down in the 40 out of 194 nations, is it? Uh, we're down in the mid-40s, best of my recollection. I can't remember exactly. Even with all that omnibus crime bill, 
our population, the prison population grew from like 300,000, thanks to Senator Joe Biden and bipartisan legislation, to 2.3 million, 10 million if you involve count people on parole, on probation in the federal and state courts. And the cost of living, CPI index is a total fraud. It's constantly manipulated. The products they manipulate, the whether you know it's different cuts of steak and then now ground beef or whatever. I've read a little bit about it. It's total, total fraud. The stats, and not to mention the cost of housing, which has gone up since the nineteen sixties up to 3,000% in some areas, minimum 2,000% in other areas, 2,500%. You know, and, and, and wages have not, they've stagnated, we know this. So everybody's in survival mode unless the top 10% own 90% of the stock market assets. And it's, you know, the top 1% own the majority of those assets. So, uh, uh, you know, as Jimmy Dore says, it's not just corrupt. It's, how does he put it now? I forget the adjectives he used, but people don't realize how corrupt it is. It is, I don't even remember the adjective Jimmy Dore is quoting now. But, you know, just extremely and unbelievably corrupt. People say, well, you just complain about the problems. Well, first you have to identify the problems, and I clearly have done everything I can to expose that on all levels. My emails, uh, 64 branch chain email, went out to uh, Blumenthal's office. Uh, so we're talking uh, our senator on the, on the federal level and Representative Larson. And then on the state level, uh, Senator Heather Summers, Meany Gonzalez, Steve Stastrom, uh, just to name a few. Representative Kim Rose, um, you know, and after a while you realize you're not getting anywhere. I'm not going to change that corrupt system. The bodies turn over, but ultimately, look where we're at. I mean, Trickle-down economics, it's been a siphoning up of some $50 trillion before the pandemic of money siphoned up to the top 1%, one-tenth of 1%. Now, since the pandemic, who knows? Not to mention, you have the uh, all the bailouts. Every time there's a boom-bust cycle, who gets bailed out? They bail themselves out, the banksters and the corporations. And the politicians and the collection agencies, they always bail themselves out. And then they come after you. They double dip and they take your property. They come after your credit card debt. They do anything they want. That is just ruthless. Oh, they'll attempt to. A lot of people don't know their rights and they, 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 they don't. They feel they don't have a choice. They, they end up paying off things that they never really should have, or they end up losing their homes. Right? Look at the um, 
Oh my gosh. The HAMP Modification Act, what a, what a scam that turned out to be. The servers were getting more money for closing on homes, the automatic foreclosure process. Look at Steve Mnuchin, the foreclosure king. Did, did Kamala Harris go after him in California? No, became Trump's Treasury Secretary. He led the CARES Act. How can you expect anything more than what we got? Steve Mnuchin, the foreclosure king. How about Andrew Wheeler, head of the EPA, a coal industry lobbyist? Sure, let's weaken all the environmental laws. Let's lower, as the, uh, what is it, the Deputy Prime Minister of Canada now at the WEF, I believe uh, that was her title, a woman, saying that we need to lower the, uh, the wages of the middle class in this country to compete worldwide. That's exactly what she said. But really. And, you know, so we should all live in abject poverty. So that the rich get filthier, richer and richer and richer and richer. I see. Unbelievable. The Foxconn factory in China. Want to read some horrors? Check out the Foxconn factory. Where the iPad was made and all the iPhone stuff. Suicide nets put up to stop people from jumping off the roof and killing themselves. That'll tell you. And hexane used as a solvent, causing nerve damage and destruction. Then benzene causing cancer. People unprotected without proper PPE. Girls, young kids. That's what's happened to your manufacturing. Unions crushed, everything outsourced, environmental destruction with pump and dump procedures worldwide. Of course, they wanted to get manufacturing out of Connecticut, so we actually passed some laws. So what does the Trump administration do? Bring in a coal industry lobbyist to weaken all those laws, write off 100 of them. Yeah, great. Guess what? All to bring, what, polluting manufacturing back? How about passing laws that nothing can be sold in this country unless it's manufactured due to our EPA standards and our labor law standards? Wouldn't that be more righteous? Guess what? You want to go have something produced at the Foxconn factory? Then you better make damn sure it's regulated properly. Otherwise, it won't be allowed to be sold in this country, but you'll never see that. Free trade is basically a giant sucking sound, like Ross Perot said about NAFTA. North American free trade agreement. NAFTA, NAFTA, you don't want that. You're going to hear a giant sucking sound being our jobs go to Mexico, then to Asia. Yeah, mm-hmm. How do you repeal the, all these free trade agreements now and the Belt and Road Initiative? China's not our enemy. They're working lockstep with us. Our manufacturing transnational corporations, everything's being driven to break the middle class. It's all artificially contrived. My opinion, 
That's my opinion. They meet at Davos. They have their communications. Is there, are there wars? Yeah. Are they financed by whom? Who finances the wars, both sides? Well, you can go right back to uh, Gestel Snapper Rothschild, who said, if my sons did not want war, there would be none. Nothing's changed. Study all wars are bankers' wars. Michael Navarro. Michael. All wars are bankers' wars. Michael. I have to look that up. But all wars are bankers' wars. Check that out. Smedley Butler, Wars a Racket. Um, John Perkins, Confessions of an Economic Hitman. Dr. John Coleman, The Committee of 300. He was former British intelligence. Who else was former naval intelligence? Milton William Cooper, who predicted 9-11, more or less, on his public broadcast. He was retired naval, naval officer, naval intelligence. Milton William Cooper. And he told us, he said, that they're going to use Osama bin Laden as a scapegoat. Not to mention Osama bin Laden was trained by who? The CIA. He was our, uh, you know, Mojahedin fighting the uh, Russians in Afghanistan. Then came what? Taliban, Al-Qaeda, Taliban. Poppy wars. Lithium wars. Gold, oil, drugs, minerals, silver, copper, uranium. There's many others. All right. You know, I just look at it like um, we're going to have more hearings. There'll be more blustering. Fauci's not going to take any fall. Nobody is. Nobody is. And watch out for the new Sears, severe epidemic and terror virus respiratory syndrome. That's been planned for 2025. John Hopkins Medical Center, Gates Foundation, World Health Organization, S-E-E-R-S, Sears. Severe epidemic. They use two big scary words to start it. Severe epidemic, take note, and virus respiratory syndrome. Then go back to PubMed and study zinc and zinc ionophores, and you'll have your answer for that too. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Hope somebody heard something they can share with someone. Power of one. I believe in that. And and I hope there's something I've shared. Someone can DM me if they have any questions. I'm happy to do a private chat if they want or even talk by cell phone. I'm, I'm cool with that. If you don't, you know, if you want anybody, I'm home, I'm disabled. 
my surgeries are being held up for various reasons, which I don't need to get into. But the bottom line is that uh, the Lord could take me any day, any night. That's the way I see it. And there's, if I can help one person here and they can pass it on to somebody else, then I would have lived another day for good reason. Amen.